for our Canadian lifters. Pure passion, real results, what you put in your body should matter. Pure Vita Labs PVL supplements are clean, tested, and approved. Powering athletes for over 25 years. They also power the KOTL podcast. You could trust PVL. Use code KOTL15 for partnership pricing at PVL.com. All right, six-pack lap it out. We got Taylor Atwood. How many times have you been on this podcast now? Fucking Not enough. Not enough. <laughs> Dude, you were on like Christmas specials. <laughs> it is crazy how many now. But um, I love you, man. Yeah, dude, I appreciate the <laughs> hell out of you. Feeling is mutual. Um, that's been a long, long journey. It actually, I had you on before you ever won a world title. That's right. Yeah, you did. I remember that <clears throat> your episode was called, it was the Taylor Atwood, the next 74 kilo world champion, question mark, which is like crazy now. Yeah, Everyone man. Looking back. I, I was, like, I remember I was so excited, dude, to be on that uh for the first to be on king of the lifts for the first time it was in my new york city apartment uh i told my girlfriend my wife now at the time like hey I'm, i gotta like i we had we had we were getting ready to do something but i was like i gotta go on this podcast but it has to be in the morning but i i, I swear i was late as shit like talking <laughs> to you like i was like i don't care what's happening today i'm on king of the lifts like <laughs> that's it it's over it's a wrap it's crazy how everything that's happened since then dude wild absolutely wild looking back 2000 that was before you ever won a world title now like friggin' been goaded for realist that's not just a <laughs> word that's been tossed around but um sure. coming off so coming off of sheffield obviously you got a background story people have mostly heard but going into sheffield and you started revealing afterwards that you were pretty heavily injured. <laughs> not not like like you did seven hundred seventy seven point five kilos. So it's you know most people five seventy fours would die for that. But still, for you, let, let's hear about it. How bad was it? It was really bad, man. Um, and and it's it's so there's a there's been this common theme that I've been hearing on social media and through other lifters of the strength guys hurting athletes. And I want to kind of touch on that and, and just address that topic because um, <clears throat> I think what Jason has done with the strength guys is absolutely phenomenal. Um, he's taken a lot of people and has made them stronger and turned them into world champions, i.e. myself. And <clears throat> I, I think when you're dealing with top level athletes such as myself, Leah, um, Jonathan Wright, and uh, 74s as well, like some very Celine the Machine, Jessica like, Espinal, Jessica, like we got we got killers got on our lot, team, yeah. yeah, and Deuce, Deuce, there so, is a lot. We'll go, yeah, we can go we got, on, but yeah, it's a lot yeah. of people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that, um, and I'm, I'm trying to gather my thoughts because I really want to get this point across of it, it's, I don't have the luxury of just having powerlifting as my, personally, as my number one source of income. I have a full-time job that is a full-time job, <laughs> uh, 80 hours 
a week sometimes, right? Um, I'm married. I have a child. I have friends. <laughs> I have the gym. <laughs> I find time to do this. Uh, oh, and by the way, I still find time to be one of the best powerlifters in the world. So there's a lot of variables other than just training in my life. So when people see that I'm injured or I'm nicked or I'm this or I'm that, I don't think they realize the outside stressors that I have in my life. Um, and I don't talk about it much on social media other than, hey, shit, I'm injured again. <laughs> Here we go. It's, it's back at it. But what they don't know is what led up to that injury, right? Sleeping three hours per night, um, not eating enough, eating maybe 500 calories before I go work out because... I had a 12-hour day at, at work and I wasn't able to eat or do anything, but I got to get my training done. So certain things in my job, I switched into consulting. So I was traveling, um, very high stress back in 2022. So <clears throat> when you look at the outside and you're looking from the outside, it's like, shit, is, is he like washed up? Is, is he past his prime? It's like, no, man, like, ask me what's going on in your life, Taylor. Be a human being. <laughs> hey, how do you have a conversation with someone? Ask them about themselves. They will talk about them all the time. If you don't have anything to talk about, just ask them about themselves. They'll talk right. your fucking ear off. So ask me. I'm an open book. Don't just throw me under the bus and say, oh, Taylor's washed up or Taylor's this, like. Taylor's past his prime. Like, dude, you have no idea what I went through over the last year and a half, almost two years. I had a baby. I had a completely new job, uh, very high stress. So I had a lot of things leading into the Sheffield that I was keeping under wraps because, again, that's who I am. I don't like I, I'm not a very vulnerable person. I like to put on this front and we're going to get into it. Uh, I, I think I want to open up and be vulnerable with you, Ryan. I'm not, not in that way. Um, even though you're looking good, my man. Oh, my man. Uh, <laughs> but I want to address all of the things that my coaches do right and navigate my crazy life, Leah's crazy life, Celine's crazy life, because this isn't the only thing that we do. We don't, we're not full-time athletes. We have a lot of things going outside of powerlifting and those stressors, like when you start to add them up and you start to do some, some introspective, uh, thinking and, and you're like, what is, what, what was that point where we just kept getting injured? Like what happened? And then you start seeing patterns and you're like, oh, so I had like, I think from my perspective, I just have to be more communicative with my team, i.e. Ben and, and Jason, uh, to allow them better insight into how I'm feeling, what's going on, because uh, I don't do a great job of that. And that's on me. That's not on them. If I don't communicate with them, they're going to continue to think that everything is okay. And they're going to continue to prescribe the volume and, and whatever, because I'm not giving them an update. So, <clears throat> and yes, I, I'm not perfect as, as many people think I'm the golden boy, this and that. Um, I'm not perfect. I do not 
uh, claim to be perfect. Um, I have chinks in my armor, although I don't like to, to show them or, or talk about it, but I'm a human being at the end of the day, I, I fall short in, in a lot of areas. Um, but I also stay on top of a lot of things as well, which is why I am who I am. But I don't want my coaches to get the bad rap for getting me injured, getting Leah injured or anyone else, because you guys don't know the full story. And if you really wanted to know, this is why like, I have an issue with other podcasts and other people and people just chirping is because they don't know the full story, but it's like, yo, my DMs are wide open. Come talk to me, homie. Please, I am begging you, get to know me. You, you guys get to hear me on here and, and get an insight into who I am. But again, I'm still perceiving myself. I'm still a competitor on this podcast. And I'm going to think that way because <laughs> that's who I am. Right. But you're a competitor. Yeah. Yeah. But if you want to talk about something and address something and instead of uh, just throwing a blanket statement out there and just throwing me completely under the bus or my team under the bus, that's when I start to have an issue because it's like you're not even fact checking anything. And then now you're pushing this out to a wider audience. And this is that's actually defamation. I could sue you for defamation. Because you're now implicating my business. And if you don't know what defamation is, go look it up. I'm not, I'm not going to be a lawyer here. But that's, that's where it's like I have an issue, right? And, and I want to put that all to rest of like the injury stuff leading into the Sheffield. Yeah, it was the worst prep I had ever gone through. But it was also the most stressful time of my life ever um, in 2022. And again, I'm not going to go completely into what happened in my work life and my my personal life, but just know that there were other factors other than just Jason and Ben getting me injured. That like that's what I've I keep hearing, and that's not it. And I'm here to squash that right now. So um, anyone that has issues or has questions, DM me. I'm open. I'm an open book. Have a conversation with me. uh, Yeah, I'm I'm an open book. So now that I got that out of the way. Well, in terms of um, people see you as like the strength guys, but in reality, like for instance, like Claire Perro, Nico Perro, both of them junior world champions, the strength guys, Celine the Machine, you know, pro series champion, all at the same time is, is the period you're talking about. All strength guys, athletes, all winning world titles and pro series titles, Jessica Espinal winning her spot on, uh, you know, team USA, like all of them peaking, yeah. but, but they'll bypass all of these people. Of course. And, and, or, or Jonathan Garcia or whatever. He's a strength guy. Like there's so many, oh, man. like yeah. there's so many strength guys athletes, <clears throat> but because you're the biggest name that's been there for the longest, it's all just, you could cherry pick and be like, no, nope, the strength of guys course. do this. Where it's course. like, that's you you know you can cherry pick facts and if you want to if you have something you want to prove there you go right so but yeah but i think people forget people forget like all these other all these other athletes are straight guys athletes that are winning titles at the exact same time the exact right. same period it's not just taylor atwood or leah bavol it's like we got other hitters on our team and yeah. we're just at the top um of that list because we are who we are we the performances that we've 
we've done and we're going to have the spotlight on us. And I get it. I understand. But we're not the only strength guys athletes. Like we have other hitters. We have people that are strong as hell uh, and even general population. We're getting people healthy. We're getting people back in, in, in line and reaching their goals in life, health goals, fitness goals. Um, and, and that's what I'm most proud of. Like screw the, the championships, screw the, the titles and this and that. It's like what I, at the end of the day, what I want is just a better world now for my son. And I've changed a lot over the last, like <laughs> I was talking to Eric Helms in, in Sheffield and he's like, with this, t-, and we'll get into that conversation, but uh, he essentially was like, with this Taylor Atwood, uh, with the 2021 Taylor Atwood, recognize this Taylor Atwood. And I'm like, no, not really? at all. Not at all. Whoa. <laughs> because I, like, I was such, I didn't have, I was living for myself, right? Like I had my, my wife, but like, I love her to death, but now I have a son. Now I want to see this world like give him what it gave me. And the only way that that can happen is if we do the right shit, if, if I, I hate where we're headed as a, as a world, because as a society, it feels like we're very divided. Um, I don't know what life is going to look like for him when he's my age. So like when I start to think about these things, it just puts it in a, a different perspective now. And I, I think I've, I'm, that's, that's one thing that I have to change about the way, cause I've been trying to approach powerlifting the same way I was doing it back in 2021, but my mindset, the way that I am as a person, I've grown, I've changed. I'm, I'm, I've, I've evolved and I have to figure out a new system to get me the same result that I got back in 2021. And that's what I'm trying to figure out right now. Like um, if, if Bryce Lewis met you in the warm-up room with cookies, you, you taking those cookies now? I'm taking two. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm oh, taking two, Ryan. Oh, I am taking two. Well, Bryce, I hope you're But listening. only because I want to give one to Owen. <laughs> okay, well, there it is. There it is. But yeah, I guess I mean it totally makes sense. I it's mean, different. it's different. I have a different respect for the sport. I have a different respect for competition. Um, I'm just. I, I think I've matured just a lot as a person, as a human being, and there's just like more to life than just winning. And, and Owen has, has taught me that. I listen to Joe Rogan podcast and he talks about, um, when you get kids, you start seeing other people as like kids who grew up all of a sudden. And you're like, these were all just kids. Yeah. And all of a sudden you see them as kids who grew up. And all of a sudden you're like, it's different. It becomes different. It <laughs> Even is, like man. other men, you're like, it's weird. He's like, it's, it's freaking weird. Sometimes I just look at somebody and I could see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's like, it'll change you. It'll but, change you. But that that's we're going on a side tangent. Right. Okay, <laughs> because okay. yeah, let's we can the, let's let's reel it back. Let's reel it back. So the injuries, um, 
so yeah, 2022 was just a crazy year for me. Um, so leading into, so, so on my Instagram, I put, uh, we were filming all this propaganda marketing um, back in October of 2022 oh, for the Sheffield. And <clears throat> I was feeling great back in October. I was healthy. I, it was like the favorite time of year for me. I loved the fall. Um, I was coming off a great summer. <clears throat> I just won Worlds. I was feeling healthy after Worlds. I had some good training leading into October. So I was like, all right, we got a solid six months to just put our heads down, grind, <clears throat> and prove to everybody that we're going to do this thing. We're going to win the inaugural Sheffield. So we do the we do the the marketing material in October. Um, I'm with Sierra. Shout out Sierra. And that's our videographer. She did a phenomenal job asking me questions, getting me prepared. And <clears throat> one of the things they kind of said was freestyle, like a, a short clip that you can use to for people to potentially want to buy tickets. And what I said was, I was like, man, what should I say? What should, oh, I got it. And as soon as I, I was, I was like, all right, Sierra, turn the camera on. Camera, lights, camera, action, boom. I was like, want to see me destroy everybody at Sheffield? Get your tickets today. <laughs> and I felt like that, you know what I mean? And again, like it was a joke, but also not because I was the favorite. If I would have hit, 838 and a half at Sheffield, I would have beat Jesus. Like he he wouldn't have even come close, right? Two percent. Um granted, man, nothing again. That's Jesus had a and we'll talk about I want to talk about Jesus because he's 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 an amazing person and an amazing athlete. And what he did was just like, yeah, I'll I'll hop on his 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 nuts later. Um, but like, again, it was like 6% I hit, I had over the world record total, which was mine. And if I came in healthy, everything was all good. It would have been tough to beat me. Let's just put it that way. I don't know if I would have won. Maybe Jesus had more left in the tank and he could have beat me. I don't know, but it would have been tough. So in October, I'm finally getting healthy. I'm finally able to string together like weeks of good training. Like I had in 2021. And confidence just started rolling. And when we were doing the marketing material, I was like, man, I'm feeling confident. Like, fuck it. I'm just going to start talking shit. So I did. And <clears throat> unfortunately, um, I just had a string of bad luck uh, from October to December. Um, I had some injuries flare up then. Then uh, coming into the new year for 2023, I uh, had the knee tendon actually that happened in uh december last year and <clears throat> that's where like it, it it was it wasn't as bad as it got towards the end of sheffield prep uh leading into march but it was it was still there and then i had a back injury then i had pec tendon issues and then had the food poisoning so all these things just accumulated and i was sick i, I was sick so I have a kid. He was sick all the month of December. I didn't get sick. I was like, yeah, I, 
like I'm fucking my immune system is on point. And then the month of the January, I am sick. Like you hear some of my YouTube videos, you can hear how nasally I was. Um, then I got sick. I don't even know if it was sick, but I got nasally. I started to feel run down a little bit at net PA Nets. Oh wow. No, I got it, sick too. So I had like my nasal, like so like all the month of I, I got for like two weeks, I was sick at the beginning of January, got healthy a little bit for about a week and a half. Then I got sick again. And then we had PA Nets and I got sick there after. So, so I, I had to take a few days off, few days off, and I just couldn't string anything together. It felt like just everything working against me. And then as soon as we got to Sheffield at 30, less than 36 hours out, I get food poisoning. And I'm like, damn it's just i i don't i don't know what else <laughs> what it's else can you do possible. to me it, it, like yeah. I, and and i'm telling you like my knee flared up so bad that there were sessions where i would hit one single and call it quits on squats and then deadlifts same thing and then other so then i want to address this people after the fact were saying well if all this bad stuff was happening. Why were you talking all this shit? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sitting there. I'm like, you, what do you mean I'm talking all this shit? Like, I didn't say a word leading into like from January until March that I was going to win Sheffield. I posted that Instagram from October and you look at any of my Instagram, like I wasn't talking any shit. Leading into the meet saying, I'm going to crush Jesus or I'm going to crush everybody. It, it wasn't that. It was like, yo, go on my YouTube. I swear to God, my first Sheffield, I was like, I'm rehabbing. I got injured again. This and that. I'm like, mind over matter. And I'm just trying to just stay in a positive mindset because I was getting injured. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? So, yeah, the, the sentiment changed completely start of 2023 um where i was like man <laughs> when i got food poisoning i was making like jokes and stuff of i'm just happy i made it to the platform but it was no joke like i'm i was literally on the ground i don't know if you guys seen have uh wedding crashers when yeah. uh <laughs> bradley cooper's sitting in the the toilet <laughs> well you lost the day everybody up. everybody everybody in the hotel was like where's taylor and you were like yeah, gone I, for a day you know what's crazy is kedrick my nutritionist comes in because i te i text him at 1 30 at night because i was throwing up uh everything you could think of out of both ends oh nice <laughs> it was it was nice um I text Kedrick. I'm like, Hey, I got food poisoning and I don't know what to do. That was at one 30. My, I, my wife was with me and I was like, can you go down? I, like I couldn't even drink anything because I couldn't keep it down. I took a cold shower. I like, I couldn't, I couldn't get this ick off of me, you know? And I couldn't drink anything. And I just needed like, my mouth was dry. I was like, Laura is my wife's name. I was like, can you go see if you can get me some ice? I just need ice. I just want to like put it in my mouth to have something. Cause I, I couldn't, I couldn't drink anything cause I couldn't keep it down. And Kedrick comes in the next day. Finally stores start opening up. I, I get some Pedialyte. 
I get some water, like I feel a little better. Uh, I can hold like my stomach can actually hold some water down now. Um, and he comes in at like 2 PM and I'm laying in bed, like a fucking zombie, just dead. He's like, Taylor, Taylor. Cause I like, I have the curtains shut, I have the, <laughs> the pillow over my head. And he's like, are you okay? Are you alive? <laughs> um, so it was bad, dude. Absolutely just a horrendous prep. Um, but my coaches did everything in their power. Like their physical, I was with physical therapists the whole time. Jason and Ben did a phenomenal job navigating everything. Um, and, and that's where I think it's like they don't get enough credit. That They're saying, oh, he they injured Taylor. No, they didn't injure me. Like I had so many things again that happened that was out of all of our control um <clears throat> where i thought they did a phenomenal job navigating all the the issues that was going on so it was just one thing after the 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 next and yeah i i couldn't i, I couldn't string together any <laughs> any good training so um i remember it, it was, jessica it was unfortunate said, jessica said she saw you um the day before or whatever or maybe it's earlier the day and we all like heard you were sick and whatnot we're like oh damn because you like missed the day yeah and then jessica i haven't dropped the podcast yet i'll drop it after this one and jessica said she's like taylor she's like how you doing and you're like i'm good i feel good i'm gonna kill it and then she said she looked at you in the face was like this guy looks like shit. <laughs> she's like, this guy's not going to well, kill it. But you were trying to say, she said, because she knows she's an athlete. Uh, when she has problems with diabetes and whatnot, she does the same thing where she's like, you have to stay positive. It's too yeah. late. It's too yeah. late. Way too late. You, you're here. You're in. So don't, you just fucking man up. No, I feel the way I, you're going to will. You're riding on will and you're not going to let it come out of your mouth. And you're going to be like, we're going to murder it today yeah, that's because, right. we, because we have to, what are we going to show and, up? And you know? Well, that's what just mind boggles me about. Like I was, again, I'm not going to mention names, but I, I heard, um, they were like, why were you talking so much shit? If you were feeling the way that you were feeling, it's like, I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm going to lose the Jesus. I'm going to lose the Jonathan Keiko. They're just way better than me. The, Oh, Gavin, he he's he's gonna crush it. I'm gonna. I suck. I suck. Like, <laughs> as a competitor, if you don't go into anything thinking that you're gonna win, you've already lost. You've already lost. So why even show up now? Do you think anyone that has been successful in anything and reached the top of the top, which I have? sat there and for one second doubted their ability. Like, I'm not going to sit here regardless of the situation. I still thought I could win, yeah. Ryan. <laughs> this, this is what people I still thought I could fucking win. People you know why, people relate you know to why though? This is actually funny. So I felt a little better. This is no disrespect to you. I felt, I felt a little better on Friday evening. And Iron Culture... We were doing a podcast. I was I missed your podcast. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, but they caught me at the end of the day where I was able to like drink some water, eat some crackers. So I had a little bit of energy left in me. And they caught me at the end and were like, "Hey, you you want to come on to the podcast and 
and do it. And I was like, sure, sure. I feel, I feel okay. And, and <laughs> Eric, um, Eric was, was saying like, you know, shit, I, I forgot my train of thought. What was I talking about? Well, you're, you're talking about your will because you will, to- will. So he was like, he was like, um, you know, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do this. And I'm like, nah, man, I got to do this. Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and just do that. And he's like, you know, what's funny. He's like, I've seen, like, he, he grew up in like the 2008 era of powerlifting. And he's like, the shit that I saw, like the may they, the way that these guys made weight, he's like, puts whatever you did to shame. <laughs> he's like, I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you throwing up and and whatever you were doing. He's like, I've seen worse. So like when he put it in that perspective, he started hyping me up like, oh, other other people have like done worse things than get food poisoning and dehydrate and so on and so forth. And they competed. So when he started saying that, he he gave me like this, <laughs> this passion of like, you can still do this, Taylor. <laughs> you you still have a shot regardless of how you're feeling fuck it other people like you got you got 24 hours to get ready i was like damn See, I, got, people- I have 24 hours not shit i only have 24 hours right like, right no i have 24 hours i was looking at the glass half full i'm and this is no bullshit like he really changed my mindset of damn other people have gone through worse shit than this all right i i think i can do it i think i can do it and i started to really get into this mindset and then when jessica was coming through she's like yeah you probably look i i i was two kilos underweight but she's 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 got a look of concern on her face like all right i was <laughs> i was two, i was two kilos underweight i'm sure my face looks sunk sunk in like I was looking at pictures because Sierra had some pictures and you could see like how my cheekbones, I look like, uh, so <laughs> I told Sierra, I saw her, she was downstairs. She's like, yeah, he's sick. And I'm like, listen, you're respecting this space, but like, this would gotta be said, this would be good fucking footage. And I was like, did you get any? And she's like, no, 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 I don't want to. I'm like, Sierra, I would have been right up in there. I'd be like, yeah. let me get this, my man. You know because- what's funny? I wanted to film myself in the bathroom. You would have felt weird doing it yourself. You probably would have felt like a weirdo a yourself. Bit. A but if bit. someone else was in there, but I understand she, if it was like you said, she probably, I, I don't think I'd want a girl in there if I was doing it. No, no. Like you were, I'd be like, I mean, I don't know. This is easier said than done, but it would have been an amazing documentary. Here's the thing too. To your point of, um, an athlete like you who like truly believes in himself will show up on that night with like no indication on why this should work out for you and be like, fucking, this is going to happen. A miracle is going to happen today. Like this is what you guys, this is how you think yeah. people will never relate to you though. They don't relate to you, but this is how like you Gavin and you guys will show up. Be like, It'll fucking come together. Well, another thing also is like my dad, my my mother uh my wife like i have my whole camp literally telling me you could still do this my dad that my number one hype man think about mj in the flu game and this and that and i'm like dude i'm hyped i'm hyped fuck it 
fuck it. It just makes the story that much better. That's right. It makes the story that much better. And that's that was my mindset going in was I still have a chance. Which and, and when you post it on your, when you post on your Instagram story, you said um someone asked you, What are you doing? What are your goals for Sheffield? And you put to win. Yeah. And I reposted. The thing is, you're all people like, well, why would you post that? You're always gonna come to win, is what people don't understand is like your mentality will be, even if I'm injured, even if whatever the hell's going on, you will ultimately believe I'll pull it together. All my MJ moments coming, my whatever. And they they'll if they can't relate to you, you're probably like, yeah, you, I don't think you can relate to me. <laughs> you, but you also haven't done everything I've done since 2018, 17, whatever. Like you've been at world yeah. championships since 2016. Yeah. That's it's such, such an interesting point. I'm tired of having to explain my mindset and <clears throat> like, I get so many reshares on some of the more, confident posts that I have of my mindset, the way that I think, some things that I say, the things that I do. And I'm tired of having to explain myself to someone that's not on my level. And I don't, and I mean that in the most respectful way, because not everyone understood Albert Einstein, for example. And the way that he went about himself. Not everyone understands Elon Musk. Not everyone understands Jeff Bezos, right? And and not everyone understands Jesus. Not everyone understands Gavin. And not everyone's gonna understand Taylor Atwood. And um I'm kind of just like over this this like these these trolls who haven't done anything in the sport yet, um, or just in general in life, which they still have the whole, their whole life ahead of them for sure. So they still have time, but for them to, um, talk down on me and try to pull me off of my trajectory and where I am, like, I think is just one of the things that just frustrates me to no end, because you, if you don't under, if you have to question why I'm saying something, then that message isn't for you. And you can hit the unfollow, you can mute my notifications, whatever the hell you want. You don't have to pay attention to it. But don't sit here and uh, uh, mock me. Don't sit here and badmouth me. Don't sit here and talk shit behind my back and then be friendly to my face. Because I, I, I take notes of everything. I, I posted it on my Instagram. I... I'm patient is a gift. Like, I don't forget anything. I'm patient is a gift. That's what Drake said. It's true. I, I don't. I take notes. I, I'll forgive people, but I'll never forget. And there's a lot of people that I used to respect that I have no respect for anymore. And I've unfollowed them. I don't want them in my life. They're not adding any value. They just talk shit. And they're very toxic. And what I've realized is... I have to protect my energy now because I don't have as much as I used to because of my son. And that's dead serious. Like he takes a lot of energy. Um, and if, if it's, if it's not positive and you're not adding value in my life, I probably won't talk to you anymore or we'll have a very short conversation, but I'm not going to go out of my way 
to to do it. Like I, Ryan, I love you to death. I'm gonna give you all of my time, all of my energy because you deserve it. Thank you, sir. And and I I appreciate what you're doing for the community and with the podcast, with with pushing us forward. You're doing something positive in the community. And some of these other podcasts, some of these other people is just like they just are so toxic and negative. And I'm like, it, it just why i get it 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 gets views it it gets this it gets that um but it's just like it's it's weighing too much on me and i'm done i'm done with it um so i have to protect my my energy i have to protect who i give energy to um and social media can sometimes be a a hindrance there and i have to mute people or mute notifications for certain people because I just don't think that they're shedding positive light. And I'm a very just, I think that's what Owen has done for me is shown me that like positive, I want to see more positive in the world. I'm tired of seeing negative. I'm tired of seeing trolls. I'm tired of like, I'm going to talk about it with, with Delaney and, and what happened with when he posted like, I think people are that haven't done anything in the sport yet are getting too much of a pedestal and, and a, too much of attention and they have a decent following. So then they have these acolytes who follow them and, and actually buy the crap that they're saying. So then they have their own camp and then they start attacking you. And it's like, bro, who are you though? <laughs> really? Who are you? You haven't done anything like you're just spreading negative energy. And I'm not about that. So there's a lot of people that like took shots at me. I know who you are. Just know I've taken your name down. I made a list. I'll check it twice. You're getting we'll, coal in your stocking. We'll, we'll put it this way. Put it, but it's all, it's great motivation. First off, but in terms of um, people will pick and choose they don't realize they love the same guy that is like, um, you know, uber confident, the, the famous, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to beat you confident, you, you know, post that picture and say, you think you're close, but you have no idea that guy, that confidence that can go on podcast talk of that show up and drop those kind of, you know, that performance from 2021 or the 2019 clashes where everybody's so hyped up about the 74s and you go in and just start laying waste again. And, and it's, you know, the same guy who repeatedly has, has been on the top for years and years and years and years, right? It's like, number one, it's been you and the same guy who could show up with everything you just described and hit 778.5, which is like, phenomenal for everybody else but for you it's like one of your worst days you can't you yeah. know you're like you know yeah. and they don't what they don't realize is like that same mentality that is that crazy belief in yourself that crazy alpha i'm gonna make it i'm gonna find a way even though all indications would indicate else your performance is going to be south you will be the guy who will be like i can still win this mm -hmm. and they won't relate to that but they also aren't the same guy who's done all those other things. And That's some right. people will love the winner goat mentality, dog mentality, but 
they then they'll be like, well, why didn't you humble yourself when, because I, crazy as it sounds, I freaking thought I was going to find a way. And I just thought, yeah. you know, it's, it's just this inner belief in me that I didn't want, I, you can't dim my light. So I go out on my shield. Yes, yes, yes. I show up and I go out on my shield. And now you can parade around and say, ha ha. But you know, it's like, it's like, but I've also done everything else I've already done. And I'm also going to be coming back. And it's all, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it, you can't have both. You no, know, it's, it's tough, man. It's, it's a tough thing to navigate. And, you know, <clears throat> like I get, I feel like I get casted as the quote unquote villain in, in a lot of these situations because, um, <laughs> Like even with the Rondell situation, I get cast as the villain uh, with Bob as well. And I'm like, I did, Ryan, and this is no disrespect to Rondell or Bob, but like before they came on King of the Lifts, I had no idea who they were. Like, and then I saw Bob saying that I wasn't even in his purview of like competitiveness, but yet you're trying to beat my dots. And then... I see Rondell signing off on the video of Taylor Atwood ain't even my competition. Rondell's my competition. And it's like, you're just going to disrespect me like that. It, it just, it hurt because I'm like, I thought that I had the respect of the community at least and other and others um, because I respect it. I'm giving, I give the same energy to anyone else. Jesus, he gave me great energy. Like the first day I had ever met him. And, and he, we talked, he, I think he talked about it on the podcast. Like he gave me great energy and I gave it right back because well, that, that. I will say Rondell did say on the podcast, he loved your KOTL podcast. He loved that you were clapping at him. He's clapping back. And I think he was actually giving you props on the most, on the one I had him yeah, on recently. And, and, and you know what? Like <laughs> I said, uh, and Bob said my, he, Bob also said he was only cutting Arnold Classic to go after your dots. That's right. So I think they will. I don't think they're bypassing you or whatever. Maybe no, but the way that the way that it was perceived and by maybe, me, yeah, 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 was they maybe it was more Bob than it was uh, Rondell, but Rondell signed off on it. Like he was in the video, he didn't say anything. Like he could have been like, "Nah, Bob," like Taylor's. We're, we're he he is our competition like he could have said something like that you know what, what i mean what video are you talking about sorry i don't think maybe i haven't oh, seen oh all right so there there's a there's a video of uh bob where he said that he was i think they were at um russ's gym and he essentially was like i don't see taylor as our competition i see rondell as my competition and they were laughing and stuff and and laughing it off and uh i kind of laughed it off as well i was like ah and bob came to iron vault we trained and stuff but then i started to think about it and then things started to pop off and i just started getting more disrespect and I, and i was like i just didn't understand where it was coming from and then I like you had Rondell on the podcast and then he started talking more about how he was going to beat me if he got this Sheffield and this and that. And I was like, Oh my God, here we go. I'm just like, the, you're not giving me any respect. And now you're saying you're beating me. So I, t I took it personally. I, I I'm MJ, right? <laughs> uh, I, I did. 
because like I give everybody, it's the golden rule. Like if you give me respect, I'm going to 100% give you respect. And I, I said on one of my YouTube videos, because I was watching the Arnold classic where both of them said that they were going to beat my dots and even fucking come close. Bob almost bombed out or something. And then, but Rondell, he hit one of the craziest totals I had ever. So respect to him on that. Like, but like he had like a 577 dots. That's uh, almost 41 points less than mine. 30, 31 points less than mine. And, and then Bob, I, I hear on an, on your podcast talking about if I beat Taylor's dots, do you know how crazy my total has to be? Yeah, I know how fucking crazy your total has to be because I did it as a 74. You guys, you're big and it, it's all relative. But I almost beat the 83s as a 74. Like, I don't think people understand that because I'm in a lighter class. But no one in the 74s is even close to that. So, yes, I understand <laughs> the magnitude of the total you have to put up to beat my dots because I did it as a 74. I understand the magnitude. And that's where I just got frustrated because people just think it's so easy. And they're, they're undercutting the hard work that I put in, the failures that I've had leading into this, the successes that I've had. And it's just like it's swept under the rug and you can just talk bad about my name. And that's where I started to get frustrated and started to pop off at the mouth. And uh, it, it just maybe I could have been a bit more reserved of like some of the things I said was a bit disrespectful <laughs> for sure. But it was like I was getting the same energy. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to. All right. Um, so and anyone listening, like take that as it may, like you gave me the same energy and I just gave it back. But then I get cast into a bad light and by all like these USAPL guys and, and this and that. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm tired of these kids. Cause that's what they are. They're, they're kids. I forget that. And I mean that in the most respectful way. Um, but they're immature kids. They're kids. They're literally like 18 to 21 year old. I, not, I'm not talking about Bob or Rondell, but like some of these other people where I get like sent a DM or like I get tagged in posts and I'm like, who are these kids, man? And I keep forgetting that they are kids. So the, the, it was just frustrating from my end. That's why I, I said what I said about Rondell. I said what I said about Bob because that was the energy that I was getting back. If it was Jesus, where he was respectful, like I, I, I talked about, I talked in Sheffield with his brothers, like his brothers are cool as fuck. Um, he, he just, one of his brothers has a, an 18 month old baby, same as, same as Owen. So we started bonding over that, like the, just good, kind people, you know what I mean? And actually had a conversation with me. Um, anyone that has met me in person is like, man, you're, you're so different in person than you are online. And I'm like, yeah, because that the, I'm portraying myself as one person online. That's, that's all you get. I'm, I'm a human being. I'm a family man. I have a lot more depth than you probably think. So. Well, let me ask you this real quick. 
do you think with in terms of the dots competition, are they changing the goalposts now? Are they starting to say, okay, I don't know if we're going to hit Taylor's dots, so we're just going to do the current year's dots. Like, what <laughs> of is course, it, that's what was so frustrating. Like now, oh, now you want to since you had the biggest dots of 2022, you want to call yourself the man. It's like, bruh. <laughs> I'm still living. <laughs> I'm still competing. Like you can't call yourself the man when you didn't even come close to hitting my dots. And it, it, like, I hate how everyone just thinks that they're just going to do it overnight. Yeah. You're getting strong as fuck. Just continue to work. Like I, I swear I didn't start talking my talk until I was at the top. I didn't say a word. I worked in silence. I didn't call anyone out. I go to on any podcast, go to any old podcast that we had, King of the List. I didn't talk about beating anybody. It was just about getting stronger and better every meet. I never strive to be the best dots or wilks. I strive to just beat my total every meet. It was just a byproduct that I had the best coefficient. Like when people are chasing this arbitrary like number, it's like, bro, go win your class multiple times a year, multiple times every year. Then come talk to me. Until then, just put the work in. Like, why are you calling me out? <laughs> oh, because it gives you some clout. It gives you some some marketing material. Okay, great. But like you're wasting your energy, my man. And is it is it the way it is though when you because you are still here and because you do have the biggest, like um, you know, if you if you're the king, people take shots at the king, not the the prince or anyone lower. It's yeah, kind of like course. it's the it's the gift in the curse, right? Where yeah, heaviest sure. heaviest the head that wears the crown. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I didn't want this podcast to turn into this because I have so many like this. And I, I really want to uh, kind of go back to away. Sheffield. Yeah, we go, go the back Sheffield to Sheffield. Route, but this will be like the last thing that I say about it. I 100% respect what Bob and, and Rondell are doing. Like they are hands down, uh, I think, the future. Don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> What Rondell did and his total, like all BS aside, like that was a great performance. I don't care what anyone says. Um, Bob, his strength is absolutely insane. Uh, but the way that they were disrespectful initially, I just didn't take that kindly. And that's why I popped off and did what I and said what I said. Um, and I'm still going to do that because. <laughs> Like they took it a step further that like they they Rondell did, but like kind of jabbed hard um, when they were trying to get me banned from the IPF and this and that. Like, bro, come talk to me. Like that's what men do. Not not try to do shit online and be, um, yeah. It, it was just be mature, be a grown man, talk to me before you start talking about other things um, that make no sense. Like, that's what I think uh, I want this generation of, of social media acolytes and social media people listening. Like, 
act adult-like, be mature. <laughs> like I promise you the, the clout and everything that you're trying to gain right now on social media, it's inflating your head. It's inflating your ego. Um, yes, you're strong. Yes. You're good at one lift maybe. Um, and, and that's why you're getting all this attention, but it's like, have you ever spoken to a girl? Have you ever spoken to a boy or a man as a, as a woman? Have you ever had a deep conversation with them? Have you ever asked them, like, had a, had a conversation outside of just lifting in the gym? Like, have you had that real connection with a person? That's what I want from you. I want that connection. I, I don't want to continue this, this banter and this, this clash. Like, I want to have a just normal conversation. Like, that's why I love hanging out with you, because Ryan, because we have genuine com- like we talked an hour before this podcast even started <laughs> and it like- felt it felt like a it felt like a minute right so like that's what i like and, and it takes too much energy for me to continue to try to uphold this this like competitive spirit and but if you're going to like if you're going to pop off just be ready for the backlash but don't paint me into a bad light because I'm just reacting to what you're doing, not me. The John Hack thing that was probably uncalled for. <laughs> but that was more uh, fun. But that was sad. Yeah, that was like you guys are doing memes and shit. Yeah, like John and I, we we have a history. Like we go back to 2016 worlds, right? Um, that's what people don't understand. Like John and I are cool. We're, we're not. We don't have any bad blood, and it's very friendly. Um, but like there was a few mischievous things that some people did that I will never forget. Um, and that that's, yeah, that's the end of, of this. So that's, that's the last time I'm ever like, I don't care what they say. That's the last time. This is the last time until you total eight fifty. I'm addressing. And then you, then you until you, until you come back to that dots and you're like, Oh no, I feel it coming up. Like, Maybe. like that food at <laughs> Sheffield. I feel, I feel it coming. Maybe. And I'm, but um, let's talk about Sheffield. So one thing I noticed, despite like, I, I was saying this in the commentary, it was a gutsy performance. Cause even when you clearly were injured, yeah. And on your third squat, the knee gives out and you go down and it's like, and you knew this wasn't the day you still went three for three in, in the bench press. And we're still like coming out here. Like, like most people, you could see them wearing it when they're not having a good day. And you were like this, I'm not going to let this ruin my day. This is Sheffield. Yeah. This is the biggest event in our sports history. And mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of it. You were like hyping the crowd, throwing your hands up, thanking them afterwards. And it's like that you from everything that was going on, you were like, no, I'm going to enjoy this regardless. Yeah. It's, I think that's what, man, I I've even in, in my football days, like after a big run or like running someone over or making a big play, whatever, like I used to get hyped. I used to love feeding the crowd energy because I feed off energy. Um, I'm, I'm big on that. Like I, my dad has a, we've talked about it. Like he has a sixth sense. Um, so we have five senses as just all human beings, but some people have like an an extra sense where they're gifted and, and maybe have some tele, tele, 
telepathic, telepathic powers and whatever it may be. It's a, it's a sixth sense. And I, I don't have that. I just feed, I, I feel energy. So if you have good energy, I can feel it. I, I like the vibrations. That's real. I, I feed off of it. So the energy, I don't, man, if you weren't there, Ryan, like you were there, but like, if you weren't there and you're listening at the Sheffield, the energy in that room was unlike any other energy I had ever felt in my life. The crowd, there's 1700 people. Now I know what it's like to be a performer on stage where they're like telling the crowd to do something and the crowd's doing it. Yeah. Like that was the energy and the, the power that we had as lifters. So I felt it. And I, regardless of how I was feeling, because I felt like absolute dog shit, when I stepped on that stage and I saw everyone, I was like, it's on, baby. <laughs> it's on. And that energy, they were feeding it to me. So I was like, okay, I, I'm like an, I'm like a conductor right now. I, 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 this is my orchestra and I get to tell them what to do. So I was like, let's go. And as soon as I, I just did like one of these, like just if uh, you're listening, I just raised my hands a couple of times and the crowd went crazy. Yeah, they popped. It, they were warm. It was insane. Yeah, I've never it seen anything insane. like that. <clears throat> I, I, well, they were, they were serving beers. They were serving. It was amazing. Drinks. Gavin said that he's like, I, I've never seen a crowd like that. Like you walked on stage, they were warm. Like they wanted it. Yeah, they if wanted you, it. If any lifter went on stage and you gave them any attention at all, they threw it back. You told yeah. them cheer, they cheered. They would chant your name. Just, yeah. just like, it was crazy. Hey, Zeus. Hey, yeah. like that. I could hear it from the back room. Like, we, so before we stepped on uh, on stage, we were back in our, our little warm-up room. And <clears throat> I wanted to watch a thousand pound squat because I haven't seen one since Ray. So I wa I stayed in the back room after my, I missed my third attempt on squat to watch Jesus crush it that over a thousand pounds twice, not once. He did yeah. it twice. So after I was done, I went in the back room and watched get, uh, Gavin get his squat. The crowd went nuts, um, and then someone else went. But then Jesus came up, and when Jesus had like went on the stage. The energy I felt in the back room, I it was like rumbling. And I was like, I was looking around like, is anyone else feeling like, <laughs> holy shit, this is wild. And they were screaming, hey, Zeus, hey, Zeus. And you could like, it was absolutely electric. I, I, I literally, I, when, they, when the whole crowd started rumbling, I felt the vibrations in my chest because it was so boom, boom. Yeah. And I was like, they were all chanting in unison, That's boxed right. in this box, but they were above us on balconies above. around us. Yeah, so it was wild. It was, so it was like, doo, doo. and it was coming. You could feel the vibrations in your chest. And it was like, holy shit. And it's, it, it's a theater. So it's meant to keep right. all that energy inside. Yeah. And you, man. It, it was, was crazy. Yeah, I'll never, so, I've never experienced nothing like that in my life, man. So for me, regardless of how I felt, these people flew across the world for some people that I knew. Uh, I, I had people in my DMs, like from Japan, from Brazil. Uh, yeah, so 
I knew that people spent a lot of money. So I wanted to give them their, their money's worth. And I think as powerlifters, if we really want this sport to potentially be like a CrossFit um, up there on ESPN or, or like be talked about in the Olympics potentially one day and being on TV, that's the type of stuff we need to do as, as showmen. Um, it's, <clears throat> it's not just about going out on the platform anymore, at least at the Sheffield. I think, again, the Sheffield is going to create a completely different power lifter in the future because we're going to have to be the marketing material for this event. People aren't going to pay money to just go see someone lift weights, put it down and go walk back stage. Mm. They're going to want to see a Gavin with his hair braided, crushing a 336 and a half kilo squat. Jesus crushing an all time squat world record and his chest, like beating his chest after that's right. That's like, they're going to want to see that and they're going to want their money's worth. So us, it's up to us as the lifters to give them their money's worth. And I, I absolutely, I'm just, I love the energy again. I, we were talking about that before the podcast, like I feed off of it. So anytime I could like get the crowd hyped, I was doing it regardless of how I felt because look, I Sheffield 2024 has been announced February 10th. Um, and we can talk about it because Ben told us we could, yeah. uh, but it's happening 2024. It's, 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 it's 100% signed by the IPF. Everything's good. So it's for sure happening, but I don't know what's going to happen from now until then I could fucking end up in a car crash, you, you know, and, and there goes my powerlifting career. So, and that's another perspective that I think I had a bit of, uh, I was a bit naive as a lifter before. <clears throat> now I'm a bit more introspective with appreciating every opportunity that I get to lift because it is a privilege. It is a blessing. <clears throat> it's not just me um, thinking that I'm going to win and, and I have another meet. Like I, if I fail, I, I have another meet. It's fine. No, I, I, I'm looking at it as like, this may be my final meet ever. Because I, tomorrow isn't promised. So I, I reveled in everything because I don't know what's going to happen in 2024 for Sheffield. I don't know if I'll get nominated. If, let's say I bomb at Worlds. I don't knock on wood, right? I, I'm just putting it into perspective mm. of I don't know what's happening next year. I don't know if whatever may happen, I'll get picked or I win Worlds, whatever. So I want to make sure that I take this experience in and revel in it because this is a once in a lifetime meet that I had ever been a part of the best meet I had ever been a part of 1700 people in a freaking auditorium to watch powerlifting. Like that was mind blowing people flying across the world. That's like, that's like world cup type type shit so it was it was just a when i when i started to look at it from that perspective and that lens i was just so honored and blessed to be there um and chosen by by svd as well and for for ben banks and, and svd to even put something on like that it was just a phenomenal show 
it shows that like <laughs> we can make it on our own we we don't need outside influence which is absolutely insane um but we're like self-made so i just appreciate everything that powerlifting has become so far and i'm i'm so happy that i found it most people like even powerlifters in their whole lives will never experience and I think it was actually a little over 2000 people, but, um, we'll never experience that. We'll never know. Like, like what you describe, it, it, I think like the older you get, sometimes the more perspective you get. And if a lot of things come to you young, you might sort of take for granted. Yeah. And, um, but when you get older, you start realizing like doors close or you miss out or like, no, this is no, this is no, we never seen this before. Like how special this is. And so when you find a moment, sometimes you're like, I need this may never come around again. Like what I'm feeling right now may never come back. And I don't want to look back and be like, Fuck, that was the time. That was That's the right. time, you know? That's right. So instead you're like, yeah, okay. I'm not a hundred percent. You know, okay. I got sick. I'm almost, you're almost past it mentally. You know what? Let's just roll every time. Dude, <laughs> That's every, right. The things, every time you hit that platform, dude, even if you missed a lift, you come back the next one and you were like, here I am again. It's Taylor Atwood. <laughs> and it's in the crowd. Here's, here's what you find out too. The crowd follows the same vibe as you. If people's, when you start missing, if you start coming to the platform down and whatever, the crowd's like, oh. yeah, you know, yeah, but when you come it. to, they feel it when you, that's the crowd feels it. When you come to the platform and it doesn't matter if you throw your hands up and they're like the crowd, it, it'll never get old. They'll still be like, I'm watching Taylor Atwood. You know, I'm, this is Taylor Atwood performing in front of me. They know who you are. They know what you've done. Just give them, give them in your, your picture, your video came on the big jumbotron and you're going number one, I'm number one. <laughs> and even if you weren't having your number one day, they're like, it still is that guy. You're right. still that guy. You yeah. just, what you don't realize is to those people who bought tickets and flew in and everything, they don't, they don't see like Taylor was injured or, or throwing up and they see Taylor Atwood. And they're just like, just give us, give us Taylor Atwood. And you, you know, did. yeah, you know, what's wild. So I had a, I was, I, I collabed with Jeff Nippert on a, a YouTube video and his videographer was there capturing the experience. And he messes me after and he's like, Hey, we got to close out the video. You mind coming out to the lobby and meeting me on the second floor? Um, and we can, we can wrap up the video. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no worries. This was after the meet. So I go out. I didn't realize that everyone was still like lingering, dude. I had, I'm not even kidding you. I had like a, almost a 45 minute to an hour photo op. Like oh. I had so many people asking for pictures, uh, for me to sign something. They were giving me things and like, Hey, I flew, like there was someone from France. Literally they gave me their t-shirt and it had Taylor Atwood on there, hoping that they would see me. And they did. Um, and it was just, I felt like a true celebrity. And to see that level of, like, we are personalities and we are inspiration to people. And I, as a, a person now, you know, I, I was very inspired by all the stories and, and stuff that I, I listened to. Um, with you talking to other lifters, I heard their stories on the SBD and, um, 
it inspired me to potentially want to tell my story. And we were talking about it at PA Nets, like what's the best platform? What's, what is it? And I like, I think this is the platform. This is it. The conversations that we have, um, we'll segue into that because I really want to tell my story because I think that a lot of people it will resonate with. And you, you even said it yourself of like, maybe someone's going through it and, and, that your story potentially will help them, you know, and I never thought of it like that because there's, there's, <clears throat> I am quote unquote, the golden boy. Right. But there's also a part of me where you guys don't know the full story. You guys, uh, see where I, where I am at the pinnacle of, of powerlifting right now and, and how successful I've been, but you don't know what, what, what led me there. Right. So like, I just want to make sure that it, it was just insane to see the, uh, the level of respect from all of these people, the level of admiration. Um, they were just so happy to get a picture with me, which was absolutely just mind blowing. Like typically when I have a, con like I'll, I'll get a quick photo with someone at a gym, like people recognize me at the gym or maybe I'll be at the store or something. And like, maybe someone will recognize me, Hey, you, quick picture. And that's it. They'll walk away. But like people were telling me their stories and people were like handing me gifts. And when I, when I recognize that there's a lot of responsibility that comes along with it. And I realized that the things that I say are forever. Like everything that we talk about right now is pretty much forever. It's online. It's somewhere. It's going to reach someone. It's going to stay in their brain. Owen's going to listen to it. Owen will listen to it. Right. And what I don't want is Owen to be shamed or uh, ashamed about what I said or how I presented myself. And I want to give people the same energy that they give back to me. So if you come up to me and you're excited and, and this and that, I'm going to give you that same energy because this may be the first and last time you ever meet me because you're in another country and you flew and you spent your last dollar that you had to come. You know what I mean? Like mm. when I put it into that perspective of like, Taylor, I flew from Asia. I flew from China or Japan to come see you. And, and like there were numerous people and I was like running back. And when I heard that, I was like, damn. So I went back stay. and yeah. I stayed and it's like, you know what they did. And, and Ben and Pete probably won't like this, but yeah, I was, I was, no one paid for that experience. They, we had, they had a VIP experience where people could, um, do that but i just want to make sure that they get the same energy and they leave with the taylor atwood experience of damn i want to meet him again <laughs> it didn't feel like even no matter how you felt not on the stream not afterwards you even went out afterwards hanging out with everybody you refuse to feel sorry for yourself or be like this is you refuse. You're like, nah, man. Yeah. Yeah. We're, you know, which was like, I don't know. It was good. It was admirable because I, I, we all kind of try to do stuff like that. Right. Um, and 
we we touched on real quick because everyone will I, I'll be remiss if I didn't ask you. We don't have to dwell on this side story. We we beat the story to death with Gavin, so we don't have to dwell <laughs> on it. But you know, people will want me to ask. But you guys are are I'm assuming good now. You've already went back and you I know you guys have talked um at the venue where like we were all in the same lobby. You've gone back and forth on social media, whatever, and I think he owes you a dinner or something like that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think Gavin uh, got his his perspective right. Um, it was a very unique situation that he was in. And like in the heat of the moment, like if he wasn't my boy, it would have been like a completely different story. But I think after the meet, putting things into perspective, understanding why he felt the way that he felt. Um, I, I, I understood where the passion and energy was coming from. I'm a competitor as well. Uh, and again, that energy of, I just hit a world record squat potentially. Now I get my momentum to beat Keiko for the first time as a 93 uh, and become like the 90 solidify my, my chance to Malta. And I'm the best 80 or 93 in the world. Now I have the highest total, this and that, like, and then you get it stripped away potentially. <clears throat> I would have been pissed too. <laughs> and, and that's real. I, and I, I understood the energy. I, but again, it wasn't warranted for me, um, or at me. And he, I think he addressed it fine. Uh, it, it was, it was an immature act, but again, I think he's only 24, 25. So he has a lot to learn. Um, and again, if energy is just different in Sheffield, <laughs> That's so, true. so it, it, it was a very unique situation and, uh, that's the only pass that he'll get, though. <laughs> well, yeah, it can't be. Can't be, can't be uh... and he he does owe me a steak dinner, so we'll we'll talk more about it. But yeah, that's that's about it. But it is Will's deals were because um, there's a ten year spread between you, and he wants to do what you've already done. And even though, like, like you, we could all hang out, and it is what it is. But there is like, you know, there there is a ten year spread, and to an extent, you are like, all right, my man, you, you know you're working through boundaries and you're that's working right. through, that's you know right. what I mean? It's, it's, that's right. And you are like, you, when, when you were, I don't know your exact age, when you were in the CFL and what yeah. would happen in terms of like, if someone. Oh, fucking, 24, I was 24. It's so like, I, exactly. Like things were all different. We, in got, different in spaces. we got in scuffles and practice <laughs> and yeah. in the locker it, room. It would Gavin's like, 34 <laughs> doing a podcast. He might be like totally fumbled the ball, pun intended fumbled the ball with that one and he'll look back and be like yeah man like he he actually immediately was like apologetically i wish that didn't happen but yeah. when he's 34 he'll be like yeah i don't even like recounting the story but uh but he'll probably get brought up on me but it's one of those deals where you're like you don't want to hold someone in that one moment too long when you know you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, We're like, yeah. okay, I'm going to hold you there at 24 forever when you made a mistake. But anyways, nah, um, he, 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 uh, I, I, yeah, 
I had I knew I had to be the more mature person because um I was like, yo, you're my boy, but like this needs to stop. This needs to wait until after the meet. And then uh my pops came in, kind of mitigated the whole situation. So um yeah, it was it was good. We're good now. It, it's water under the bridge. Um I I one hundred percent forgive him. Um, I want pics of that and, steak dinner. And, and steak. yeah, he he owes me a steak dinner for sure. And we're going to Peter Luger's. <laughs> I don't know that place. Sounds expensive. Oh, sounds expensive. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> but it is what it is. He knows where it. He knows what it is. Yeah, he probably. That's all like, that matters. He was like, "Damn it, man! This is going to be an expensive apology." But <laughs> this is the way she goes, right? Um. But yeah, and and you like I, when me and Gavin were talking about like, and you had alluded to who you are now. At you're 34, right? Yeah. Who you are now at 34? Who you were when you were 24? Um, and everything you've done, and then who you were at 14, and who you were at 10, and who you were all of this way for you to come to 34. And you are one of the most unique personalities we deal with right now. But I was telling Gavin, in terms of your background, my man, you see, you see Taylor, and there's a reason why this guy, whom is Taylor size, walk in a room like he's seven feet tall. And he isn't just like that on social media, though. <laughs> he will go chest to chest with you. Yeah, but that's like, what I think a lot of people misunderstand, too, is, look, yes, I'm 5'6", man. I'm 166 pounds, but I, again, I, I've been picked on my whole life because I was the runt, but I've always, always held my own. Um, and that's some of the story that I'll talk about as well uh, when we get a bit more personal, but <clears throat> like I was going up against guys in the CFL that were 6'6", 350 pounds, like trying to take my head off. Uh, linebackers that were six foot, 250 pounds. Um, they were Rondell size. They were Jesus Oliveira's size. And I had to, I played against that. I was hitting them. So like, I'm not afraid of anybody. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how big you are. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're like, I'm not saying I'm going to kick your ass, but it's like, I'm not going to back down. You know what I mean? Uh, and I'm not afraid of anyone. So where do where do where do you like where does the dog come from? Whew. My dad. I was talking to my dad about that uh, actually today. Um, he said that it's always just been in me. Like I, I've always been a fighter. Uh, I've always like. I've, I've had always had a good heart, he said. And, but there was like, there's just always been fight in me. And, and it comes from him 100%. And my mom, uh, my biological mom, because um, my, my stepmother, Kelly, she, uh, she's a fighter as well. But my biological mom, she's, a, she's a, she's a dog herself. So, um, it's just, it comes, it, it's genetic, man. My dad, yeah. Yeah. It's genetic. It's, it's, it's who we are. It's, it's an Atwood thing. It's an Atwood thing. I, 
I thought that she was your biological. I don't think I've ever heard that she was your stepmom. Yeah, man. I guess we're gonna get into this now. I guess we're gonna because we're. <laughs> I we're guess start, we I already started. We are, I feel like are. we already started. All right. So, <clears throat> and look, this isn't a woe is me, right? I I really just want people to understand who who Taylor Atwood really is. And I was again this this is the, my why I even wanted to do this is because I was so inspired by everyone's story, and I was so it kind of. It hit me when I was listening to all these SBD when they were doing the Sheffield. They had the little mini clips, mini movies. And <clears throat> I watched all of them and they were all phenomenal. Like it, it's crazy to see how different we all are, mm. but but we're all after the same goal. And I, I actually talked to Eric Holmes about that as well, about how like there's so many different ways to get to where you want to be. Um, but so I, I was very just taken aback by some of the stories that I heard. And when I rewatched mine, it was just about me being the best, me beating everybody, me being this competitive guy. And it got me thinking like, you know, there's so much more to Taylor Atwood than just winning or titles or <laughs> uh what you see online and i've been so reserved to show that side of me because it's it's not a a fun time in my life um how i grew up and it, look by no stretch of the imagination was it the worst right like my dad told me a story today that made me cry because of the way that he grew up and i'm not going to repeat it because it's it, it, it's his story to tell not mine um but like to hear other people's stories and how they grew up and, and whatnot, like it really hit me as, as a human. And again, like you were talking about evolution of who we've been in the past, like 24, 14, 10 years, right? Four. <clears throat> and a lot has changed even with Owen in the last year and a half. So I've become more, uh, I would say vulnerable and, like, I think there's no better time than now where I feel like there are moments and opportunities for people to see us more than just a, a lifter and really get to know us as humans. Because I think, again, like, they only know me as, as the 838 and a half. They only know me as the dots. They only know me as the world champion, the national champion, the the perfect hair, uh, the 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 job, the family. Like you're the golden boy. Well, let me tell you, I'm not the golden boy. <laughs> and and growing up, I was far from it. So I talked to my dad about this because I wanted to make sure he was okay with what I would talk about potentially. Um, and I don't want to paint anyone in a bad light. It's just, it's just a reality of what happened. And I had a great, I had like, I had a lot of positive things that happened in my life. It's just, there were a lot of negative things that <clears throat> shaped who I am today. Um, 
and to start out like you know back in 1996 uh my parents got divorced um so my biological mom uh she got in a motorcycle accident crushed her entire leg and the doctor essentially when they took x-rays said your bones look like frosted flakes so we don't know if we're going to be able to to save it and i'm eight years old right <clears throat> and I, I remember it so vividly uh my aunt i was jumping on my grandpa uh, my grandfather's and grandmother's trampoline and in miami and uh my grandfather is a roughneck he rides motorcycles like um so my my mom she was a tomboy growing up and she she rode motorcycles my dad he drives a motorcycle so it just runs in the family i don't but she got into the accident and i remember it so vividly i was jumping on the trampoline with my little cousin and my aunt comes running out and she's like hey you got to come with me now your mom's been in an accident and i was like okay whatever i'm i'm 8 years old like uh whatever so we go and and then like I'm waiting at the hospital and they're like, yeah, we don't know if we're going to be able to say like, I'm getting all these, like, I just remember just doctors coming in and out, talking to my grandmother, my grandfather. We don't know if we can save her leg, this, that we're going to have to amputate it, blah, blah, blah. And I remember this, I had suppressed memories, dead serious. Like I really had to like recollect like what happened that day. And I, I really started to like remember what happened and it was, it was, uh, it was tough dude, to, to just think about that. So she, she got into a motorcycle accident. They luckily saved her leg. Um, but she had this thing called an external fixator. I don't know if you know what that is, yeah, but literally pins and rods outside of your leg. Yeah. And I'm eight years old but my mom finally comes home and she's a beautiful woman. My, my mother is beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And, uh, she has this thing on her leg and I only, I've only seen her as like, she, she's my, she's my mom. Like she's, she's my, my, she's superwoman, you know? And when I see her come out and this thing, she, like it scared the shit out of me. So like, and then I see, would see blood coming out because there's literal rods in her leg keeping it together. So that that's like what I what I remember. But like my my parents got they split up after that. Um, and so for the when, first time, you saw your your mom vulnerable, and you realized your parents are actually just human that are vulnerable. That's right. That's, that's your right. first conscious realization. That's right, and. You know, I, I come, so th they're okay with me telling this, but I come from a family of addicts. So they were hardcore into drugs. Um, not going to say which drugs, but narcotics. So that, that was like them growing up, they were addicted to drugs regardless, but they were still highly functioning <laughs> individuals. Uh, they provided for me and my sister and everything was, was, was 
like we never wanted for anything. Um, but then my mom got into an accident. My parents got divorced. Uh, things started to go downhill after that. So what happened with her leg was with my mom's leg is it when they saved it, it was still half an inch shorter than the other leg. So you can imagine over time, like you're walking all funky because you have half an inch shorter than the other leg. She started to develop uh, chronic back pain and she got hooked on drugs, pain pills. So like, my whole childhood, it was, it was essentially like, and again, this is my mother's and my father right now, uh, both sober. Um, but like seeing, seeing my mom like that, it was, it was devastating because <clears throat> again, it's like, she's, she's superwoman to me. And to see her in that light and destruct like self-destructing essentially <clears throat> it was it was tough it was tough so um yeah my so that was that was like my whole childhood <laughs> like from eight to twelve uh dealing with that shit and then Luckily, luckily, my dad came in and like they were divorced. Uh, he, he, he was kind of he wanted to see me. He wanted to do everything with me. But my mom was just out of her mind at that time. Again, she's doing phenomenal now. But at the time, she was just very just not herself. And my dad found out like what was actually happening like i was literally being taken care of by my sister who was 16 i was 12 and like surviving on captain crunch essentially um and by no stretch of the imagination like i'm still active in football i'm still active in sports i'm still doing all these things but th that was like my outlet because mm. when i came home i didn't want to be home I, I tried to distract myself from, <clears throat> from all the bullshit, you know? Uh, and, and again, like I, I grew up in a, a decent neighborhood, but I moved into a part of the city that wasn't great uh, when I was 12 years old. So I, 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 <laughs> I you asked me, where did the fight come from? Like I, I've been, I was fighting kids when I was 12 years old, like fist fighting. Uh, I had, I've had guns pulled on me. Um, like people don't realize they, they see me as the clean cut, the, the good smile, the hair, so on and so forth. But like, people don't realize how I literally, it wasn't the ghetto, but it wasn't a great part of town. And like, I had this fear for my, my life. I had to fear that people were going to steal from me. Like I had my bike stolen numerous times. Um, we would like, I, I constantly had to be on the lookout. Like I got jumped a few, a, a few times. So like, where did the fight come from? It's like, that's, <laughs> I've been fighting my whole life. Uh, even my cousins, my, my cousins 
at that age, um, I was around them and they were all older than me, but they were always picking on me. So I was fighting them. So it's like, you know, that, that was like, all these memories start to come to light and I start to remember like what it was like growing up and what I really want to to come across is like, you know, I I am going to continue my story, but what I, what I want people to understand is like, no matter what you're going through right now in your life, like I could have taken the wrong path and probably ended up dead or something. But I decided to change my life for the better. Um, I got pulled out of the situation from my dad at 12 years old, uh, who's now my my stepmother as well. And I don't talk about her much, but she has, her name is Kelly. She's my dad's current wife, um, my stepmother. And I love her to absolute death because she she was like, I'm a man of faith. Uh, she was my angel living on earth. Like she, like everything happens for a reason. And there's been so many things that have happened in my life where I'm just like this, there's no other explanation other than uh, like there's forces bigger than anything that I could imagine at work right now. And I'm not even going to question it. And that's who I think she is and was in my life at the time. So they literally like things were going wrong uh, with my mom. She was, doing her thing. My sister was raising me essentially. Um, and my dad came and was like, look, this is ending today. Literally picked me out of the house. Uh, picked, said, take your things, pack it up. We're going to Kelly's right now. So that was that. And then what people don't also understand is like (laughs) my stepmother, Kelly lived in a, a double wide trailer. So we, we, it was a nice trailer. Don't get me wrong. Like it it was like when people, it wasn't eight mile. (laughs) Like I wasn't living like, like, uh, Eminem. Um, but it was, it was a trailer nonetheless. And like, we live in South Florida. So like when hurricanes came through, we had to go live, uh, to like an actual house with her, her, uh, her mom because we didn't know if we could stay in our trailer because we thought it would get blown away. So like, like I got picked out of this situation, but got put into a completely different situation with this random stranger at the time and my dad. Uh, and, and to tell the story about my dad, my dad was still an addict at the time. So he would go on his bender and leave me with Kelly and I was 12 years old and I just got taken out of that situation where my mom was addicted to drugs. And now I'm getting put over here, better situation, but with a complete stranger and someone still addicted to drugs. (laughs) So that's where like, it was just this transition of, I didn't know who I was. I I lost myself but I could always fall back on sports. And that's why sports played such an integral role in my life because it distracted me from literally everything at home. Like I wanted to stay at practice. I wanted to stay around my guys because and my coaches because 
that's where I felt the most safe at the time and, and the most uh, comfortable. Like I didn't even want to go home. Like we live in a trailer, you know, and luckily, and looking back at it on it, like I did feel less than because like I would go to my cousin's house or I would go to, I, I went to private school because I was good at, at sports. Like I, I had a quote unquote scholarship. So I went to all these like very rich private schools, but it wasn't because I was rich is because I was good at a sport and they paid for me to go essentially. Like, but not only that, I had to work like a work study program. I had to work my way to earn tuition at the school. Whereas these other people, they are driving Mercedes, they're driving uh, <laughs> Porsches, whatever. And I just always felt less than I was inferior. So I was always trying to prove myself. And the only way I could prove myself was through sports. So I always immersed myself in, in into that. And uh, to go back to, to Kelly, like she took me, uh, I don't know why she did. And I talked to her about it like all the time about why she brought me in and why she did what she did. And, She's like, because I just had a great, she's a, she's a woman of faith as well. She believed in God. And she was like, it's just honestly what my heart was telling me needed to be done. And I'll never, like, I'm, I'm indebted to her for life because she saved my life. She literally saved my life. Because I don't know where I would have ended up. I was I was going down a very bad path when I was like 12 years old. 12 years old. The things that I saw was at at 12 years old. No 12-year-old should see. Um, never seen anyone killed. But still, nonetheless, like just some things that you shouldn't see at 12. And that's where she just like, she took me in as her own. And she still thinks that I'm, I'm her biological son. And she loves me until this day. She she's my number one cheerleader. Like you hear her probably on every live stream screaming, go Atwood, go team Atwood. Like that's her. And she's been my cheerleader since day one, since day one. So it, it just like. I tell this story because what I really want, again, is to tell people you guys have choices we all have choices and it's up to you on whether or not you want to grab the, my dad calls it the ribbon of opportunity and he's like sometimes it just swoops down and you either have to grab it or you're going to just let it go and i like for me i had great guidance from my dad at the time uh, but he always just tell would tell me, don't miss the ribbon of opportunity. And everything that had happened previously, it didn't matter. It was like, this is a whole new life. You were given a whole new life. Like, this is what you wanted. So it was, it was like, holy shit, I, I got a new, I got a new opportunity at life. And I, I grabbed that ribbon of opportunity and I ran with it. And I, that was the inflection point in my life to where I am today. And uh, Kelly, 
my I call her my mom because that's who she is. But my dad as well, like he was struggling with his his addiction, but he never once made me feel like I wasn't loved. He never once made me feel that I was less than. He he would literally give me he would he would starve so I could eat, and the, the, that that is who he is, and and he can tell his story, but like we were talking about it today, because I was like, how do I how do I approach this? Because I really want people to to know who Taylor Atwood is, and it's probably not even coming across how I want to talk about it right now, but it, it's just one of those things where I. I Again, I want people to know the real Taylor Atwood because it's not just the golden boy because I've seen it in my DMs. I've seen comments. It's like, oh, the golden boy, this and that. It's like, man, I'm <laughs> I'm sorry if I burst your bubble and, and you guys thought that I'm this perfect person, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm a human being just like you are. I deal with real life shit. I, I go through the same trials and tribulations that you do. And if you're going through it right now, just know, just know that there's that ribbon of opportunity. And right now is your time to change your life right now. Don't wait for it. Go after it. Get it done. Don't pat. Don't let it pass you. We were just talking about that. Don't you have to embrace it. And it took me a while to understand that concept of embracing and not waiting. And I, I'm still horrible at it today. But when I when something is truly important to me, I get it done immediately. Because I, I've seen when I wait on things and I've seen procrastination and where it leads. And it's, it's never anything good. So that's just like a peak. Again, I... I don't want to tell all these woe is me stories and I have so many. It's just what I really want you to take away from that is regardless of how bad you think you have it right now, you you can change it if you want with the right support system, with the right strategies and the right mentality, you can get yourself out of any trough, any problem, any situation that isn't favorable for you, you can, you can change it yourself. And that's why I really wanted to just give a brief uh, insight into Taylor Atwood outside of powerlifting, be vulnerable, let, let the, the curtain down a little bit, because I, th I really think that where you guys see me today as this, this successful person, like it wasn't like this always. I had, but I made some tough decisions. They turned out to be right. And I, I took risks. Um, I moved away from my family to, to get away from all the bullshit. I, I networked with the right people. I, I, I surrounded myself with positive people. And if I can do it, you can do it too. I I had heard well first off like freaking you're extremely brave for coming on here talking like this because that is not easy. I I I had heard, um, you know, Ken, do you know Ken Shamrock? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Ken the Shamrock. Wrestler. 
yeah. wrestler and UFC fighter. UFC, yeah. He talked about early on when he was UFC and WWE and at the peak, he never mentioned his real background. And then later on, he wrote an autobiography. So he wrote two autobiographies, one in his prime that was the squeaky clean image. The other one later on in life, he talked about um, a childhood and he mentioned some things similar to yours where um, he was raised by a mother who was an addict in not a favorable neighborhood. And he talked about how what it felt like that you're never safe. But when you're a child and never safe, like people got to understand when you're a child and never safe. So if a parent is addicted and preoccupied, you're just out there on your own doing your thing. Anyone can come into your house. You feel like anyone can do anything to you. And you're always a little at unease, whether you're getting jumped, things stolen from you, taken from you. I want that. That's mine. But you're never really, your advocate's not really fully your advocate. It's an entirely different upbringing. And he said what that feels like. And then obviously, um, and it impacts you. It impacts you and it'll, it'll shape you for the rest of your life. And he also, like he went through, um, you know, in and out of different foster homes, et cetera. But at one point he found sports and that was where he was like, as hard as I work, there's other kids from other backgrounds on this team. And they, they might come from rich parents. They might come from other kids kind of same as me, or maybe even worse off. But when, when I work on this team, that's all that matters. Yeah. So you're telling me if I work my ass off, that guy who comes from parents that he's, they're proud of and me who I'm going to be quiet when people ask me about what I'm going home or whatever, because I don't want them to know. I, I actually, I live in a trailer. Actually, I haven't seen my mom. Actually, you don't even want people to know this. You're like, you know what? Just fucking, I work my ass off and none of that matters. As a matter of fact, I could bypass these people. Yeah. Yeah. And when you find that out, and all of a sudden that kid who never had control over anything in his life has control over something. Then you get, that's when some special things can happen. That's where like people talk about like sports. It's just sports. You don't know what sports can do for a kid who needs, yeah, who needs man. some structure <clears throat> to meet friends, to meet people, to see what hard work can do. And then all of a sudden you give it to that kid and that kid's like fucking... <laughs> I need to, this little, oh, you, you played at five foot six, hundred and boy, I mean, you were a little thicker at the time. Remember yeah. you showed me pictures, but still you made it to the like, professional football with 30,000 people buying tickets, filling a stadium. I seen the CFL dog. I'm from Canada and it's all over. Like now, like the art gray cup is 8 million people watching it. Yeah, you wild. know what I mean? Like it's, it's massive. And, um, that's what can happen where some kids are in that locker room and they're showing up early and leaving late. And you're like, what, what's with this guy's drive? And you got no idea where this guy's drive comes from and what his background is. So then That's when right. you hit certain other stadiums and it's like, I'm going to do a little trash talk or whatever. It's like, you probably aren't going to scare this guy where he's come from or shake him or whatever. It's going to be different. It's going to be different. It, um, and people don't necessarily know why we are the way we are later on in life when you catch us. No, you don't know. But that's that's what I mean is is when I was talking about how like with some of these kids on on social media, just be mature. Like what I mean by that is 
really have a conversation with somebody and get to know them. Get to know their story. Unprovoked. Not because you want to post it on social media or you want to gain some clout. Turn the phones off. Put the phones down. Literally just have drinks with your boy. And just like have a have a man conversation, you know, or same thing with a woman. And that's like I, I was so reluctant to talk about this because it's not a I'm not proud of it. And the vulnerability, uh, it's like, oh, now everyone kind of knows your story. They look at you in a different light. It's like, you know what? I, I don't really care. <laughs> Um, I want to tell my story because I was inspired by everyone that told their story. And it, it, it meant a lot. And they were so brave to do it that I was like, fuck it. I'm, I, if they can do it, I can do it too. Hmm. And it was one of those things where I was like, I I just, it, it, I was tired of trying to not be someone I'm not but tired of people trying to paint me in a light that wasn't really Taylor Atwood. And I, I, I think that anyone listening to this, um, what I want you to know is like, it will get better. If you're, if you're whatever it is that you're feeling, if you're feeling down, like you can think your way out of whatever it is that you want and, and how you're feeling. Think your way out. Conor McGregor used to talk about it when he was in his broken down car. He used to think that it was a Maybach or like a Mercedes Benz. Like visualize what you want. Visualize it and then work towards it. It's it's hard work, man. <laughs> Me being 34 and, and where I'm at right now, it was fucking hard. But I don't sit here at 34 right now and say, damn. That was hard work. I wish I didn't do that. <laughs> Dude, um, I can't believe like you're you got a a really you 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 went to schooling, got a like a good day job, a world champion powerlifter, and all you've accomplished. It is crazy how much you would have outpaced everybody else from like favorable backgrounds. <laughs> um, it is crazy, but it is like it's more it's true that it, it is almost exhausting to like uh keep it i don't i don't want to say like a secret but just be like people look at you a certain way when you get to a certain level and they start talking about you a certain way and you're like i don't even know if these people fully know me and then it there's something freeing about well now you know yeah exactly this, now you know you you go ahead now you now you could judge me the way you want to judge me and you didn't even have like you could be like this is my background, but guess like uh, you could be like, look, I'm not a proud, but I'm not ashamed either. You were a fucking kid, man. You don't get to choose where, where you're born and what situation you're brought up in. The fact that you have made what you have about yourself where so many people have, have been given more and done less, you know, not just with sports, but just like with like your job, your family, ec- everything. This it is, it isn't, it should be inspiring to people. And you shouldn't feel any ways about saying. It. As a matter of fact, this is what you should be like able to tell people showing up at different schools, high schools or whatever, and be like, look it. I don't know who in this class is afraid to go home. I don't know who in this class, when you go home, you're gonna deal with some shit. 
I don't know who in this class stays late on the fucking after soccer practice is over and asks the coach to drive you home because you don't have a parent to pick you. I don't know who that is, but if you are in that crowd watching me right now, it isn't always going to be like this. And you might be like these other kids. And maybe you're not brave enough to say your story right now, but you will stand in front of 500 people and say your story. And you will feel proud that you don't feel proud right now. You're quiet right now. And you're in a crowd. You'll be in my shoes and you'll be proud and fuck anybody else who says anything else about that. That's right. And again, seeing how brave everyone else was to talk about what they talked about. It was, it was truly inspiring, man. Um, and to see them get vulnerable, it was like, damn, I okay, I, I can get vulnerable too then. If they're getting vulnerable, you like, and they're brave enough to tell their story, like you have to be brave as well. And that that was it, man. Like I didn't not that I didn't want to tell my story, it's just like I don't wear that story like a badge of honor because it was a very, very difficult time in my life but it's also like i can't just sit here and just put it to the wayside and just continue to shove it down deep inside and let it just fester there it has to come up it has to come to light because that's 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 again what has i think helped me become who i am today is talking about certain things and you don't realize how therapeutic this is because I've I, I talked to my dad about this. I talked to a little bit about it on Iron Culture. Um, I talked a little bit about it to my wife. And like it actually every time I talked about it, it just made it made me like my shoulders just slumped a little more less and less in my chair because I just felt this weight being lifted. And uh, I was even I even talked to uh uh, sports psychologists, um, and, and tell them about my, my upbringing, because there was, again, in, in 2022, there was a lot that was going on in my life. And I felt like I had this, like, I couldn't, I couldn't express it, uh, verbally and everything that was happening, I was holding inside. And that's why I think some of the injuries started to pop up because, excuse me, because I was holding it inside so much that it was like, it couldn't go anywhere else. So I started to get injured. And like the more and more I started talking about uh, how I was feeling, the way I was feeling, I was like, man, that actually does feel good. <laughs> and and as a male, as an alpha male, it's like, you know what, man? F- fuck trying to act tough all the time. Like hmm. it, it, it's... It, it, <laughs> Sometimes you need to, as a male, because we have the highest suicide rate in, in the world, male, men, because we burden so much because we have to feel, we feel like we have to provide, we can't show our emotions, we can't do this, we can't do that. It's like, fuck that, man. Talk about it with someone. If you're really feeling a certain way, you're not a bitch for talking about it. You're not. You're actually brave, just like you 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 said, Ryan, and I appreciate that. And I like, I'm brave enough to come on here and talk about my story, but maybe you don't have to talk about it to thousands of people, but maybe 
you can talk about it to one person that you truly trust and just let them in. Let them in. Be vulnerable. I promise you, you won't be, you won't regret it. <laughs> It'll it's so, be. It's so difficult though, huh? I don't yeah, know why. Man, for but, sure. it, but you always, always, always feel better afterwards. Well, it's because I think you've been let down so many times by many people that you don't trust anyone. Mm. And it, and it's, and it also is like shameful, you know, like you for know, me, it shouldn't be like you were a kid. Oh, no, but yeah, but I like, know what you mean. I, it's weird. I know exactly what you mean, but it's like, you want to tell that person, dog, you didn't get to choose anything by the time you were an adult and you started making choices, look what you did with yourself. But even then I know what you mean where you would be like, fuck, I don't know why I feel shame about something I had no control of. Yeah. It's fucked yeah. up. Yeah, it is. It is. But I know many people in sports deal with that. And uh, I know other power lifters that have dealt with that. I've, I've talked to them about it. Um, like I've been at Iron Vault talking to people for hours. <laughs> I'll miss a workout because I'm just talking. Um, but they're, they're letting me in. They, they, and, and they trust me enough because they're like, man, I see what you have. I, I, not that I want what you have, but I want to get out of my current situation and I want this, hmm. like, this is what's happening. And I, and I talk to them and, and that's my work that I do. It's, it's not me going on social media and like this and, and having an open forum and trying to heal everybody or trying to gain clout. Like, that's not what this is. This is about me telling a story of I am not who everyone thinks I am and I am who I am because of my past. And I'm not afraid to open up about it anymore. And I'm I'm not shameful of where I came from. Uh, even though like I had pretty much everything, I, I never wanted for anything. But when I look back on it, but it's like, I still in my mind as a 12, 14, 16 year old going over these other people's houses who have mansions literally and then I have to go back to my trailer. That's how it felt, you know? So that's the way I perceived it. So who who is anyone to tell you that even if you're not going back to a trailer, maybe you're going back to a lesser of a home than you were just at, but that's the home that you want. It's like, who is anyone to tell you that you can't feel, like feel more grateful, be more grateful. <laughs> you're dismissing the actual feeling. So it's like, don't dismiss, recognize it. But once you recognize it, say, you know what? Maybe my parents didn't do something that I can do different to get that house. And that's what I did. I, 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 was, I took some risks. I, I left the nest and never looked back. And unfortunately, I had to leave my, my family. I'm, and I'm away from them right now. And I love them to death. But it wasn't a conducive environment for the goals that I wanted in my life and the goals that I wanted for my life. So I removed myself and took a risk, moved to a completely different state where I knew absolutely no one. How old were you when this happened when you did this? 24. I was 24, right after the CFL. 
So, so when you went to the CFL, was this like, so sports was kind of like getting you out of the scenario as well. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, it was the first time I was away from home. So I was like, Hey, I can actually like, I can do this. <laughs> I, I, I am a grown up. I can, I can fend for myself. I don't, I don't need my parents because I was given literally everything. I lived with them until I left for the CFL. And then after that, it's like, I just opened up an entire, it opened up an entirely new world for me of, I am self-sufficient. I don't need them anymore. And it's, it's kind of like the, the bird leaving the nest, my wings. I didn't even know I could fly, but I had wings. I just had to open them up and test them out. And I did. And once I knew that I could fly, it's like, I never looked back. You, you know, now it makes a whole lot more sense hearing your story when, uh, you were at Sheffield and despite everything going wrong, you, you were like on stage, like at <laughs> peace, at peace. Now it makes sense. Dude. Like sports is not going to be like, this is the least of your worries. As a matter of fact, you're at your safest home while performing in sports. That's why you hit the deadlifts with smiles and you're, whether you're having the 838.5 or whether you're having a 777.5 and you're at Sheffield, you're like, this brings, this is the good memories. This is, is. this is the fun stuff. There's nothing wrong with this. That's right. That's <laughs> right. right, man. Like, and, and putting myself through the, the amount of torture essentially with training and to not like, uh, Matt Gary put it so perfectly. He's like, think of all the training you did leading into this meet. He's like, you literally have the easiest workout of your life. Of the whole prep, he's like, you have nine lifts. How easy is that? Think about all the work you just did. Hmm. Think about all those sessions, all the reps, all the sets. Under the fatigue, he's like, now this is actually the easy part so go enjoy it right yeah. and and when he put it in that was back in like 2017 um when he put it in that perspective you started seeing me smile more you started to see me because even in 2016 like i had this grin on my like this like i'm crushing everybody and then when when he told me that it just like it changed my whole perspective on I've never told him that. Um isn't he a national treasure, Matt Gary? Dude, Matt Gary is the man. <laughs> Matt Gary is the man. I'm so, glad he's around and sticking around. And I'm glad that I actually got to uh work with him. And I and and he actually he be, him and Susie, uh they're absolute treasures, man. The Garys, they I'm so happy they were our team coach in 2016. Uh, I know a lot. There was a lot of shit that went down at Worlds that year. Uh, people didn't like what they did, um, but I don't know. I, like, I'm so happy that they <laughs> they were the team coach because it it led them in our lives. Like, I, I text them pictures of Owen. They ask how he is. Like, we have such a great relationship now, and there's such mutual respect um uh, amongst us that yeah it, it's absolutely amazing but it that that that's it ryan is i just <laughs> it could be so much worse 
and look, my story, Jesus was talking about suicide, you know, like I, I never thought about killing myself ever. So I, I can only imagine everyone has their story. I just wanted to tell mine because I, I think it could resonate with some people. And I also wanted people to understand where I came from. I'm not the golden boy that everyone thinks I am. Or maybe you a- are though. Or maybe this makes you far more relatable and far more that guy now than ever before. Maybe before you were just like almost like the cartoon character version that's not real. Unattainable, unrelatable, not real. And now you're the guy that that is entirely relatable for a lot of people, if not the exact same scenario, but they'll be like, now they get you. Now Maybe. they get. I'm sure I'll have some naysayers or whatever um, <laughs> come out of the woodwork, but it is what it is. I Again, it was more of like I was very inspired by all the lifters um, at, at Sheffield and then you and my DMs listening to some of the King of the Lifts uh, podcast that you already had some guests on hearing their stories. It was like, if they're brave enough to do and, and they're okay telling their story, I was like, you know what, man, I, I have to tell my story. I do. I have to. And I didn't know the medium that I wanted to do it on. I was, we were talking about it at PA Nats. I remember at, at, uh, at brunch right mm. before, right before we went on air. It's like, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't know how I wanted to say it because I, I'm a perfectionist, you know, and I wanted it to come out perfectly. And the more and more I thought about it, it's like, (laughs) don't script this man. Like this is like, just talk, right? Let it be raw. Let it be real. Whatever you say, you say, however it comes out, it comes out. Even if it's not perfect, you, you're still getting a message out there. And if, again, if it's not perfect, if your grammar isn't correct or you're rambling, whatever it is, doesn't matter. People still going to listen and it's the, the message will get across. And, and when I put it in that perspective and I talked to other people about it, my camp, um, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it on King of the Lifts and, and hopefully it, it resonates with people. Also, keep this in mind. First off, I appreciate you you coming on here and trusting me with this as well. But um, this isn't going to be the first time you tell this, and this isn't like the for sure. The truth is more important when it comes off scripted. Does it come off well? And I know you're I exactly. If you're like I want it to be perfectionist, but I honestly, honestly believe this. Like you could for sure be taught doing public speaking, going to your old high school, going to high schools. Then you start going, going into a motivational speaking and start actually hitting certain points and structuring you could build in. But this is, this is getting it out there and and beginning it and getting, and you'll get better and better and feels more and more comfortable. And you start opening up more and more and more. But when you wait, you know, and like, I need the perfect time. I need the perfect, uh, you're doing exactly, man. It's hard. It is. It is the hardest to like reveal about yourself. Dude, this is. Uh, I had to talk 
to numerous people because I didn't know if I wanted to do it. I was so scared. And I'll say that I was scared. I didn't know how to say it. I didn't know how I wanted to say it. And my dad was like, just tell your story, man. Don't be afraid. And uh, again, I, 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 <laughs> I got to the surface of my whole story. And, but that that's, it's not about how much I can make you sad of and feel bad for me. It's, it's not that. What I wanted to do was give you a base so that I could tell you, you can do it. Like I was at the bottom and here I am, not at the top, but certainly better than where I was. At the top of your craft, though. At like the you, top of you, the, yeah. You chose sure. your craft and made it to the top of it worldwide, yeah. globally, all time. <laughs> I mean, it was not bad. For sure. <laughs> and, pretty good. And, and that that's like, whatever makes you happy, man, double down on it. That's that's what I would say. That's good advice. Sure. Double down on it. And you could work your way out of a lot of situations. You would be surprised. It is also ironic that, you know, coming up, you said you were like the small runt that was picked on. And then later on in life, you know, you become like one of the world's strongest men. It's it's it is quite a freaking story, man. Yeah, but, you uh, know what's funny is uh God bless my my cousin, but my cousin, one of my cousins, he was like my end all be all guy. Like he was he he was who I just admired when growing up and what's crazy is i was home for a, a family reunion it was my grandfather's like 90th birthday and he uh growing up like he was who i, I literally bought every shoe that he had uh i i well not me but my mom <laughs> um I wanted to do everything that he did. I was like, well, oh, can I go over his house? Can I go blah, blah, blah. So everything that he did, I wanted to do. And then like I, I grow up and here I am. And now he's the one calling me. He's the one asking where I'm at. He's the one saying, hey, can we hang out? And it's crazy how the tables turn, right? Like you admire someone for who they are, but then you not surpass them, but then you become what they want to be. And that's because you, you pave your own way and you become your own person. And that's, that's my point is like, have, have a, have an end goal and, and work towards it. Become the inspiration that you want others to follow and, how did you you know it's difficult some people come from families where it's like they they come from a family where everybody's killing it they went to university they make whatever six figures and they're like you could do this and they're like yeah i know i could do this so like the path is laid like, like yeah. they just seen it they just follow footsteps whereas like it's a whole lot harder when you're like like, how do I do this and like nobody else around you has known you know and you're like how the fuck do I make this happen? And you're like, uh, it's, we take this for granted, man. We, we don't know. Some people are like, you just 
figure it out. Yeah. That, you know, that, like, it, it is. Yeah. It's very, there's some people appearance that are like, um, 100% guiding them through in like, and they still can fumble the ball. Whereas other yeah. people have like favorites who are like dealing with a whole bunch of real life things. And like, they just have to somehow just make it. Hopefully you make it kid because I'm dealing with something. And it's like, Holy smokes. You know, we all know those kids and coming up and they just, it's a perpetual cycle. Whereas one kid just, it's going to, I'm going to figure this out somehow. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a miracle, man. It's crazy how it could happen, but it, it, it is. And it, it like the one thing I'll say about the Atwoods is we do have fight and we don't give up, but we're also very self-sufficient. Like my dad, he owned his own business, very successful wallpaper business. He unfortunately, uh, got a, a disease called multiple sclerosis and he what he'll say is hardly dis, hardly able <laughs> instead of disabled um but he couldn't work anymore uh, my mother got into the accident she she became disabled but she owned her own uh, nail business like nail salon business um so i come from a a, a family of entrepreneurs of paving their own way and being creative and figuring things out along the way. So like I saw, I like at a very young age, I just, I had to figure things out. And again, like not having a lot of guidance initially. So doing stupid shit and saying, okay, that didn't work. Uh, <laughs> so I, the, the one thing I think I'll, I'll, I'll give myself a pat on the back is like, I've never made the same mistake twice. So like if I if I truly fucked up on something, I never did that again. Ever. I learned my lesson. But I didn't know I couldn't I shouldn't do that until I did and mm. been like shit, Taylor, you shouldn't have did that. <laughs> and I went down the wrong path. But then I got right back on path and I figured other shit out. So like that that was it. It was like the old the cliche of failing fast i tried shit failed at it but then got right back on the horse and figured it out um so that's that's my story i'm sticking to it you know if you if you never made it this long this far no one would ever have heard your story you know that if you only won a couple titles and then left or faded no one would ever got this story like this almost didn't happen no. You know what I mean? Like, isn't that crazy to think about? <laughs> My dad always tells me I need to write a book. Well, um, I, I, I want to ask you right now, like we talked about your back and story, but what is the future for Taylor? Atwood? We talked about, we talked an hour. We've been talking all longer than people think we we're on three and a half hours. Cause we did an hour off, off air. Are we really? No, no. Three what we did. Well, we started at six. It's nine 30, but, um, but we didn't start recording till uh, whatever. Hey, people like shit. What did you guys say before you start recording? <laughs> but we just talk. It is what it is, man. We just right. we literally two dudes just sat down and been talking for three and a half hours. But um, well, like that was your background. What is the future for Taylor? Because before we started recording, we were talking about, you know, you sat down in the commentary booth. First off, most people the first time out 
It's tough. I mean, it's live. Try live sometime. And in there, you you don't talk like a podcast. You have rules to fill. And, and some people can't jump into the roles, play the proper role. And they try to, they or they'll try too much to be the funny guy to stand out. Or, um, you know, they try to start doing whatever. And we sat down, okay, here's what actual commentating is. You got a lead, you got the co or the color commentator. You might hear them referred to in other sports. And that's usually the athlete or coach, like the former athlete or coach or current. And, um, you know, the lead has these roles, the the color co or, or co does these roles. And then, and saying like, uh, it's not quite like a podcast, I man. You can't get super loose, but you could drop little tidbits of funny here and there just to keep it a little light, but you don't want to get loose. And um, say what you see and blah, blah, blah. We went through it all. And then we we had like rules, like boundaries of what you do. And then, um, so you never know. And then we sat in there and one, two, three. And afterwards it's like, damn, Taylor, you, you, you murked it. And like, you were way better than I was when I, when I, my first session, man, I don't even want to listen to my first session, but um. And obviously you could talk and you're, you're charismatic. You could like, whether it's podcasting or whatever, right. You're starting to do all these other things, uh, social media wise and content wise, like where, where do you see yourself? Cause now you're, you're in your mid thirties, early to mid. Yeah. And at some point, you know, we talked about how athletic careers are so much shorter for everybody than after like the after athletic career is so much longer. And I know you got a, a, a really real job and you're probably making good dough, but I feel like when you're ready and you're probably never going to stop lifting weights, but when you're not lifting stupid hours, like three, four hours and you got a little extra time, what are we going to see from you? That's such a good question, man, because like, I like to think of myself as a planner and like fail to plan, plan to fail. But there's something about me where the uncertainty of the future also keeps me going. Mm. So like, I, I definitely see myself staying in the sport of powerlifting in some shape or form. And I, I just saw how Sheffield was. Um, shit. I probably should. We will, we'll talk after we'll put a pin in that. Okay. Um, it has something to do with SBD, but like, I just want to stay connected because I think the sport has, has the potential to be like a CrossFit one day. Mm. And I would like to be on the business end of those transactions happening, wheeling and dealing, potentially like being a general manager of something within the powerlifting realm so that I can help grow the sport, help with the strategic partnerships. Um, maybe this becomes like an NBA or an NFL where we're getting TV rights and we're doing certain things and I can come in and, and be that, that business savvy guy. Um, maybe something in that realm or being like an announcer with you. That would like, I had such a, the reason why I think it like you and I, we just have chemistry regardless. Um, but I had such a great time. Just, we talked about it for the hour that we did before we talked a little bit about, I got to be on the other side of the fence 
of mm. being a, a spectator of the sport versus being a competitor because I didn't compete at uh, PA Nats when I was commentating. So I was literally able to just enjoy myself and enjoy <laughs> the competitors instead of me going in with the mindset of fuck everyone, I got to destroy. It was no, I'm going to enjoy this experience. I'm going to immerse myself into the experience and I'm going to make it memorable. And when you asked me to come on and, and do the commentating session, I was like, damn, I was nervous. When you asked me, I was like, what am I going to talk about? I was DMing you like, yo, are you going to give me like a yeah, you were the prepared. Yeah, you you were the dude who's like, I want to prep. You are that guy. Just like you said, like, I don't prepare. You prepare to fail. You were yeah. that dude. I'm like, you'll be all right. Yeah, you'll be all right. And, you know, it, it flowed like it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. Um, and again, it's, it's lifting weights. It's, it's commentating on other lifters. It's, it's bringing the audience into, because I am a competitor myself, it's bringing the listeners and the audience into a competitor's mindset. So like, if I'm able to tell people, look, this is what I I'm thinking going into the lift, this is probably what they're thinking as well. Maybe they're now thinking of it in that perspective when they didn't even know or even fathom that that is how a competitor is supposed to think. So it was a phenomenal experience for my first time. Uh, I hope that I get to do it again. But you got rave reviews, man. People are, I think I've seen you a couple, I send you a couple screenshots, but yeah. people are like, dude, Taylor killed it. Here's the thing, I, too. I was excited. People don't, um, some people do it and they try they try to be too big and want to be noticed and then they that's what that's the worst when it's live you're going to start acting weird you're going to start saying jokes that are like what the shit and like you're going to start being you know it it doesn't work whereas um other times if you just go in there comfortable and just you know stay in the pocket in in broadcasting is not podcasting and and no. i don't know you got it it felt natural for you and then afterwards i was like oh i got a good feeling on that one um and you could do it all like you could do both business as well as hop in on commentary and do some broadcasting and you have the look that you look like a guy who would host and open up like you seen sheffield when i did the intro video i don't want you to take my yeah. job please but no there's plenty of room for everybody don't worry i don't i don't have the fame and mentality but um you totally could you look like that guy who would be like you give that speech and it'd be coming from taylor Atwood. you know what i mean it would be it would be i don't know but there's spaces there's definitely spaces as well as um I don't know how comfortable you'd, you'd be doing like public speaking or whatnot, but you could bridge beyond your story and so sports Delaney, sports. Yeah. Delaney and I had spoke about that. Um, he's starting to do some public speaking. Yeah. And I've, I've always thought about public speaking because I am very comfortable in a room. I'm very comfortable talking to people and now opening up and being a bit more vulnerable, it, it felt good, you know? Uh, and like you said, if I'm able to open up and tell my story and be okay with it and, and not feel like people are going to judge me, which I know people still will, but like, I'm, I'm sure the positive aspect of it outweighs any negative 
So like I, 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 I've talked to Delaney about that for sure. Cause he wants to do public speaking. Like Look, he's, I, he's, he's big on it. So I've done it before and, and um, talking in DMS with certain people about doing it again, people that we know we could talk about it afterwards too, but it is no better rush and positive. Like when you go in there, I was, I was do I was doing like everything from um, when I was on this reality TV show, I like went on tour to cancer camp for kids. Then I went to high schools. Then I went to business chamber of commerce and I'm just motivational speaking, talking. And um, I was like everything from clips to like, like me being on Kansas got talent to like the, the TV show that they'll recognize me. Cause I, I show up and there'd be like a thousand people. Like, this is what I was on that show. And then like um, from clips, videos to some slides to me talking, throw it back to the clip, come back and keep talking and be like, you know, it, it's impactful, man. And yeah. the thing with sports, they don't need to be powerlifting fans. There's everyone knows sports dog. Everyone. And it's even better. Everyone knows strength and revere strength. You don't need to know much more than that. And, um, yeah, it's all about just getting comfortable with it and organizing yourself into like a few key points I want to hit a few key stories I want to hit. And if you, a few key content pieces you splice in, but a couple of videos you throw to and come back. I'll yeah. never forget in my life when I was in high school, George Chevallo, he fought Ali twice. He fought Joe Frazier. Like it, this is, I went to high school in the nineties dog. I'm old, right? <laughs> but, um, He's from the seventies and he was like the heavyweight champion of Canada, but he fought for the world title against Muhammad Ali. And he's the first one to take Ali the distance. And it was like, he was like a God to me and my friends, like, cause we were so into boxing, boxing in the nineties. I can't tell you it's Mike Tyson's prime, Holyfield's yeah. prime. We were so into boxing. I will never forget the day George Chevalo came to my high school, but every everybody the, the gymnasium was packed and like all my dudes who were like you know kind of rough around the edges dude were like on the edge of our seat like look at george Shavalo. and he would show <laughs> clips of like fight like of, of like his fight clips but he would also he's, he's there because he lost like four sons to heroin um and then his wife committed suicide because she lost so many sons and it was like a really tear-jerking vulnerable i'll never forget this man who was like he had 97 professional fights never left his feet Jeez. but he he when he was talking he had um some tissue or whatever in his hands and certain points you could see him hold in his huge hand and he was like he would stop and look you could see it was some parts of that story were not easy and he would show the highlights and then he'd show clips of his son's and his one son talking about, I got to be there for my dad because we lost three sons already. And, you know, and we lost like mom and like, I got to be there for my dad. And um, I know everything my dad's gone through. And then after the clip, he looks, he looks to us and he said, like, I lost my son three weeks after that video. And fucking like, dog, you want to talk about impactful? Yeah. Like, I'll never forget this for the rest of my life, man. I bought the guy's autobiography and everything after that. But like, all of us walked away being like, I'll never forget. I was like 16. I'm 43. I mean, I'll never forget that day. Mm -hmm. And like, even kids who were like, weren't into boxing afterwards. I remember going to class afterwards and everybody's like, Whoa, this was heavy. Yeah, we're, young. heavy. we're young, but it was impactful. And this That's guy, went this guy went toe to toe with George Foreman, Frazier. And I remember going back to class and teachers being like the teachers who were in the nineties were like, in their twenties, in the seventies, who remember watching this on TV, yeah. their parents 
were like, they were like, I could see in these, in these older men's eyes, they were impacted and they wanted to talk about it with us. Yeah. And we were all like, it's crazy dog. I'm just telling you, um, if you, when you do stuff like this and I, I could get into stories about when I went to cancer camp for kids, like what I told the kids and what I did, but in terms of feel good, you talk about positivity and like feel good afterwards and be like, Whoa, I'm doing good. You go into some schools or you go into some, some of these cancer camps or whatever, and you start talking or like, and you start telling your story um, and be like, I don't know who's all in this crowd, but there might be a kid. And you start talking like this and start showing clips or whatever. I guarantee you, you're going to leave and be like, holy smokes. Talk about pay it forward, feel good karma the whole nine. <laughs> You'll be like, I'm on the right path. We're good, <laughs> man. It don't take much. Uh, yeah, man. It, it changed my life. It, it seriously changed my life. That's and cool. I'm, and I'm not even from a rough, like I'm, I come from a good family or whatever, but you just will never forget that. It's something about somebody that strong. George Chevalo, the rock chin, never left his feet. George Foreman couldn't take, you know, George Foreman couldn't, yeah, take yeah, him yeah. Off, couldn't take him off his feet. Nobody could. And for him to open up and be vulnerable. And I'll never forget this guy who was like an icon and they have statues of him, by the way, in Canada. And he was the way his, his hand holding, holding that when it got, when it got tough to go through some tough parts to reveal him his story. And he like, he would bit down and just fucking muscled his way through it. And you're watching a strong man muscle their way through being honest. And in terms of that judgment shit, that goes out the window real quick. Yeah. And you're like, well, that's tough. And you're like, hats off to that man. Like he's, you know, and then he left like everything he talked about. And he's like, there it is. Now, now, you know, the truth. Yeah. Now, you know, and it's like, whoa, dog. Yeah. That's that's a no. road to Sheffield, you know, wowzers. They, SVD would love that road to Sheffield. Um, but yeah, think about it, man. You're, you are a, you're a young, charismatic, good looking guy who's smart and, um, and you got a way for telling stories and you've, you've already accomplished it. It's already done. Your resume, if, if, if you stop now, it's already done. You, you're going to come back and you can have another wave. But it's like the Ali story where then I came back. <laughs> you know, it gets even better. But it's already solidified. You know, everything's already in place for you. If you were like, you know what? I, I think I want to do some good with what I've done. 100% you can. Yeah, it's certainly on my mind. Um, but there's, there's, there's many things I... I would like to do it's just um i i like to i have to pick one and focus on it yeah. because I, I tend to try to dabble in many things and i spread myself too thin and then things just start falling apart um so i'm trying to reel everything back in right now and and really try to focus on getting healthy so that i can start training again leading into malta get ready for Sheffield 2024. But there's a lot of things I want to do. Dude, you, because you're 34 dog, you, you could be, keep in mind too, like everything I'm saying, a lot of this stuff can be like at 42, 50. Yeah, like, for sure. You, for you know sure. how much life you got left? It's insane. I didn't see George Chavallo too. He was like 55, by the way. Like You, you this sound like Gary V. I know. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying like, you know, like Chavallo didn't come into my life till he's in his 50s. You're still in your athletic prime doing your damn thing. So it's just more, um, I think the, I think 
the older you get, the more you start seeing how you can start giving back and you can start seeing. That's like, right. That's right. And that's, that's really what this story was about. That's why I wanted to tell my story. Um, and that's why I kind of wanted to put the whole Rondell Bob thing to rest. Like I was really trying to hype it up and, and whatever. I respect both of those gentlemen. I, I respect everyone. It's just like, I'm tired of, I was tired and still am of people shedding me, putting me in a, like a bad light. Like I was tired. I'm tired of what he's done over the last, um, he just wins too much, this and that. All right. Let's, let's level set here. <laughs> Let me tell you who Taylor Atwood really is. Um, and, and again, I, it wasn't for them. It was for the people that whoever this, touched and whoever needed to hear it that's who it was for uh, but it's to give perspective to those people as well mm. so yeah who you are why you are the way you are dog i got a feeling this is just scratching the surface too but i mean you got plenty of life left to go in terms of um yeah dude your documentary on your life is gonna be wild i want to I, <laughs> I want the book by the way you let me know when you hit that book deal do you want to do some um name game yeah let's do it okay let's start off with an easy one gavin aiden determined he is he's a determined individual man uh he knows what he wants and he wears his heart on his sleeve, and I absolutely love it for love that from him. I, I, I yeah, forget. There's something about you, Gavin. Like a lot of you guys have the same type of energy. Where like, I don't know what it is, but you're like, I want, I like hanging around these guys. When we're just like <laughs> in hotel lobbies around a table, those nights can last forever. Oh, for sure. Those I, nights I had last. to if, if I didn't have to leave in Sheffield the next morning, I would have been up all night with you guys. I know, dude. It's so tough, huh? Once we once once the boys start rolling in the girls, yeah. man, like Leah and like Leah. everyone's around. Yeah. Um, Delaney Wallace. Ooh. He's a good soul. He has a good soul, man. Like you can see he's just filled with love, you know? And he he wants to see like even his 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 clapback video was still the most genuine clapback I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and I absolutely love him for that. He is like, when I met his mom at Sheffield, um, that's, I see where he gets it. I see where he gets it. So uh, yeah, he's a good soul, man. Yeah. I was, dude, that clapback video got me out of, I was like, holy smokes, did not see that coming. We're doing production on these now. <laughs> my man dropped That's like, right. My man dropped like, I'm going to set aside $3,000 to hit your ass. It's like, dude, what kind of production? You, what, don't mess with a guy with too much money that he can set aside. <laughs> hey, he, he got he got fourth place at, at Sheffy. That's, so what? that's why that's why like, like six grand he got Taylor, money to play with <laughs> that's why taylor's bowing out of the trash talk he's like i got a kid i can't drop 4k on a clapback nah. i gotta bow out you I know gotta... what's so funny about that like everyone's flaunting their cars everyone's flaunting their jewelry and clothes i'm like dude i'm just gonna flaunt my son because yeah, yeah. the amount of money i spend on this kid is absolutely <laughs> insane <That's right. laughs> He's like a Lamborghini at this point. That's right. I just have to hold him on my arm and I'm just like, that's, that's right. 
Everyone this knows that's a lot of money right there. It's a lot of money right there. Um, here's another one. Jason Trombley. Oof. 007. Oh, yeah. Nah, he, yeah, he like he is man, there's just so many things I can say about him. I'm trying to find the right word. He's like all encapsulating, if that makes any sense, because he runs TSG. He started TSG. He's a true entrepreneur. The guy is the most creative person I've ever, one of the most creative per people I've ever met um, when it comes to like programming, Excel, um, business, <clears throat> the way he conducts himself. He's a, he's a gentleman. Um, he, he cares for people uh, that care for him. Uh, he only wants the best for his camp and, and the people around him. So like when I say all encapsulating, it's like he he is all of that. Like he's just a, a good dude. I love him to death. And uh, I'm so happy he's in my corner. Is, isn't it, um, talking about Jason, like, isn't it so, we have a community where a guy like Gavin Eden and a guy like Jason Trombley exist and will be in the same like you know what i mean where they're so it's so weird because like they're so different like jason is um yeah it's it's different when i picture him i picture like the word that pops in would be like professional so you know, professional but, right so professional to the uber extent over prepared where he is like like you know gavin's like i want to go into this thing and just like out of pure passion he's like the artist right and like we talked about that right? or me and gavin talked about whatever he's like the artist who's yeah. full of passion running in there using all this emotion that artists use to like write songs he's using all this emotion negative positive all of it to put forth and express himself or whatever and he's that guy and you talk about the battle plan of attempt selection he's like don't don't talk to me about that because it ruins the art in me like it, like it's the passion's dying right now. We're rocking and rolling. Whereas Jason is like, I've done all the scouting, got A, B, C, D plans going. Um, got like like he's very even keeled, tempered, and like in it's so seeing both type of people operate. And the thing is too, let me say something about Jason. Um, very difficult to think of a guy who's more genuine. He is. Like he he. He can't, he is not that guy who's gonna be talking shit behind your back or like he's because he because he'd be like unprofessional for him and below him. He's like that guy who's like like he will stand on it anyways. Like when I was telling Gavin about like calls being protested, and Jason feels this way where it's like, no, it's my duty to advocate for my lifter. Um, and the thing is though, and this is what I was telling Gavin is like, even if you disagree with that, or anyone who might disagree with it, Jason though believes it morally will do it in public like this is what he does he'll tell you why and he stands on it and it's not like like you know he's not going to be two-faced about it he's like no this is what i believe you you know another explain. another yeah another thing that i missed he is very competitive probably as competitive as i am in really? his field in his field oh think yeah, about well, it yeah think about it like the reason why he does the analytics that he does is because he is that competitive. He wants that competitive advantage. He knows the rule book in and out. He's going to oh, use yeah. it to his advantage. 
that I want him on my side every fucking time. I don't care. Like Gavin, yeah, like die on your sh- on your shield. That is, I think a a reckless way of doing. But he's the athlete. Doing he's, it, he's, but he's, he's, he, I, and I get it, and I understand, and I, I he is the way he is, and all more power to him. But like the way that TSG operates, like I just I, I wouldn't want any other team, man. I, honestly. You know, you know, you, I love that you said, and this is true. Don't, if a coach is like, I'm super competitive, don't tell me you're competitive. When a guy like Jason Trombley will literally know the rule books in and out, knows the federation, like the, the back of his hand, dude, in terms of like, oh, can I hold on before, before we get to the next name, like, I really want to touch on this because a lot of people asked about it. Yeah. What I thought about my coaches contesting lifts. Yeah. And, I want to go on the record and say, I didn't know that was a strategy. However, I 100% wholeheartedly back them. I don't think it's dishonorable, as Gavin said. I don't think it's a bitch move. I think it's very strategic. I think it's smart. And as Gavin said, you should, like get three white lights. Leave it. Leave no doubt. Don't let a guy like Jason or Ben be able to contest anything. Go sink your squat, hold your bench, lock out your deadlift. Get 27 white lights, leave no doubt. And you won't have to deal with us. (laughs) That last line, and you won't have to deal with us. But if if you leave that window open a crack, I'm coming in your house. Dude. And I'll like find a, a crack. Like a thief Real in fun. the night, baby. <laughs> like a thief in the night, baby. We're um, stealing everything. But it's... We'll take your food from you. <laughs> we'll go in your jungle and we'll take everything. You're... Everything. We don't care. It, it... That is the competitor. Yes, we took food off your table. Yes. It... Yes, we did. That is the competitor in us. That's not a bitch move. That's competitiveness. That is being competitive. That is what sportsmanship is. That's what we do. What do you mean? Yeah, he took food off my table. That's fucking right. We're ta- we want everything. We didn't go in there for fucking scraps. We're going for everybody. We're taking everybody. Everybody's food. Fuck your food. We're taking everything. It's ours. So, like, I, 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 I dis- wholeheartedly disagree with what Gavin's method is. Uh, just like he disagreed with ours. Um, and yeah, if if you're going to sit there and die on your sword, like we're going to steal more food from you, my man. <laughs> that's it is what it is, because uh, that's how we operate. So go out there, sink your squat, hold your bench, lock out your deadlift or we're coming. There it is, man. And um, let's let's do the next one. Uh, ben Escrow. Man, you're giving me some great names. Ben Escrow is one of the most genuine, caring people I've ever met. Kind, uh, respectful. Um, he He's like, he's just so good energy. If that makes any good sense, like, any sense, like, 
when I met him for the first time in 2016 at Raw Nationals, he saw me smash my face into the ground when I passed out um, on deadlifts. My back was uh, essentially broken. My back, spinal. Uh, it was like he, he caught me in the most raw moment of my powerlifting career and he calmed me like no other like a spirit like just is everything is going to be okay and ever since he walked into my life into jason's life he helped us he was our inflection point like for tsg for where i'm at he he was that he helped jason get me to where i'm at today and we're forever grateful for him. And like, he's just, every time I talk to him, I have such good conversation, um, positive energy. Like, I, I just want nothing but the best for him. Like, if he, he deserves it, he really does. Like, he, he, <laughs> yeah, I, I love that guy. He's definitely a guy I could stay up all night talking to as well, but I have actually. <laughs> when, when, um, <laughs> I've had actually several nights, but, uh, he is one of those other dudes that like, you could sit down and shoot the shit with like all night. And he is, he's a really good guy. He is like a genuine good guy. Another guy too, who totally on the surface, he, he came up to Gavin and wanted to talk to Gavin when Gavin was getting drug tested and Gavin's like, not yet. <laughs> Let's hang on a second. But, um, even afterwards he was like, uh, I talked to him. He talked to him a couple times. He's not the type of, again, like Jason, if they don't agree with you on something, but they'll stand on it. And these, they're not also like, I'm not talking they're coming, they're stand on it and come to you like an aggressive way because they're professional though. That's not how, they will come and talk to you like men. Even keeled, calm voice and voice themselves. And if you're about drama, they're going to walk away because they're not, because they're professional. That's not how they carry themselves. That's why when I picture like Ben and Jason, it is like with integrity. Even if I don't, integrity is a good word because if to describe them, because even if I don't agree with them all the time, I, I, you know, people you don't agree with, and, but it's how they carry themselves. Yeah. Even if I don't agree with them, how they carry themselves, I'm like, you know what? Because I'm not going to agree with everybody. I respect them. So that, that I think this is another good point um, about the contesting lifts and, and protest. So, and it, this goes to integrity. So they, they were 100% in my camp and they were 100% in Leah's camp. And they were going to do everything in their power to make sure that we finished the best placing possible, just given the circumstances we were under uh, with no training, we were injured, so on and so forth. So they were going to do everything in their power to make sure that we finished whatever uh, top three. And one way to do that was to contest lifts. However, when you protest a lift at an international meet, you have to pay a 75 euro fine for every protest that you go to the jury for. And if the jury at the end of the meet thinks that those protests were worthy of being protested, they will give you your money back at the Sheffield for every protest that we had and that we gave to the jury. We got all of our money back. Okay. 
That's well, there you go. That's a nice point. That's a good point. Also, they they, they put their money where their mouth is. They put their money where yeah. They well. put 75 euros up every time we protested a lift. But the jury gave us all of our money back because they deemed that our protests were worthy. So yeah. if anyone doesn't like that rule, don't hate the player, hate the game. And they're gonna play to win. Yeah, we're gonna going. play to win, man. That's it. That's it. And we're gonna strategize. We're gonna outsmart you. Yeah, you may outlift us, but we're <laughs> we're gonna outsmart you so that you don't outlift us. And that's the game. That that is the game. That's every competitive game. Every game has rules, and every game you can exploit those rules. It, it it's funny because like um, well, here's my next name, Matt Gary, goat, and I don't throw that around often. He is. Because he has paved the way for some of the more pronounced, like pronounced coaches in the game today, he has he has paved that way. He um, some of the the foundations that like Bryce Lewis has set for his camp, that we as TSG set for our camp, for um, Joey Flex in his camp. So like Mike T, they've all somehow used some of Matt Gary's principles um in in their own philosophies and like when you think of someone with that influence you have to put them in the goat conversation the greatest of all time of, of what game day coaching mm-hmm. he is the game day coach him and Susie like they are the game day like they are the goat game day coaches no one can touch them. Matt Gary, that's who Jason modeled his philosophy off of is Matt Gary. Uh, ben, same thing. So like, yeah, he, he, he is the greatest of all time for, for like game day coaching. Oh, if, you, if you're going into battle, you know, and you're like, I don't know if Matt Gary's available, you would be an, a moron not to ex- if he's like do you want help you'd be like uh you <laughs> kidding me yeah, like, yeah like, if i get in a, if i'm close enough to get in a firefight i'm definitely want matt gary in my corner and he's be the like- one who yeah like some people uh they need someone like that in their corner because they're like i've seen his lifter literally um like forecasted for like seventh place and they literally place like third or second or sometimes even win because yeah. his philosophy of going nine for nine, we're not undershooting, we're, we're not being conservative. Others are just being too aggressive and we're exploiting that. And that's a strategy. And looks, he'll exploit all of the everything, rules, all everything. the chips, lot number of That's right. Lot, uh, he'll pro, hey, I'll, let me tell you, he'll protest a call. If the thing is, Cause it's Matt Gary, um, you know, like everyone knows, like he's beyond reproach, right? Like he's like uh, nobody's yeah. like you can't take shots at his character because it's Matt Gary. He like, um, yeah, he will get he will get his lifter is high ranked. No matter what you're nominated, he will get everything out of you that he can. And That's then right. you'll be like, every okay. kilo, every, every kilo, kilo we can, every placing you move up. If you're if you're not in contention to win, but like you said, you're coming in ninth. 
if you leave at six, you probably has the best you could have done. And, and five and up was probably just too strong for you to cover the spread. But Matt will get you as far. But if someone, I've seen Matt take somebody whom is definitely weaker and they've won head to head. Like Bryce Lewis versus Ashton Rouse. Yeah, that's right. Bryce Lewis, who was a world champion. I get it. But on that day... He was not going to win, and Matt Gary got him, led him to victory over Ashton. And afterward, everyone saw. I was like, "Hold that was that was." If you watch that session, if and you don't believe in game day handling can make the difference, that is proof positive. Ashton was and is stronger than Bryce, but Matt Gary got him to the win, and it was like, "Oh my god!" Like it was like it was it was expert handling at its at its finest. All Matt needed was Bryce. I need you to be close. Just be close enough in strength, and I think I could pull this off. And he did it. And and that is the legend of Matt Gary. Just just be close, son. Just be close, and I'll make miracles. That's right. Happen. Well, shit. Too- he he was there uh, handling me at, for my best performance ever. Was he for there eight, for the eight thirty eight point five? He was handling me. Dude, my dad, my dad is is there being the hype man, but Matt Gary was my handler. You know how awesome that would be for Matt Gary to be there for it because you know how he's so into powerlifting. Of course. For the 50th anniversary of the IPF, they had a book about like going back 50 years. And um, Matt Gary's going through this book, like 30 years, 30 year old pictures from back in the day. And he's like, I remember that guy. No, let me tell you about this guy. And it's like, God damn, Matt. Like he's like, he's that dude. He is Mr. Powerlifting going. He's like the encyclopedia of the rule book. He's everything, man. So That's for right. him to handle you at like the finest performance, like the biggest dots performance, Wilkes performance, GL point performance of all time, even even if unopposed, he'd be like, "This is." Remember, I made the analogy. This is like Jason Trombley giving the keys to the Lamborghini because he's away for the weekend. <laughs> and right. Matt Gary was like, "Oh, I'm doing this." <laughs> he was like, "Yes, I'll take that Lamborghini for a ride that weekend." And then afterwards, when you guys get eight thirty, he's like, "Oh hell yeah, that was fun." But um, yeah, okay, let's go back into it. We got a couple more names, and we'll wrap it up because it's like 10 o'clock. We've we yeah, been talking we six it. Playboy. Jeez. I'll just do a couple more names, we'll wrap it up. Um, Leah Babylon. She, she's a she she is a killer, she's a perfectionist. Like everything that I've talked to Jason about and Ben about her is like. I see how she takes everything. She's she's like a spitting image of me almost, just not the Western version. <laughs> she's the French version. Um, and I mean that in the most respectful, positive way. It's just like the U.S. is completely different than France, right? Our cultures, the way that we do things, but her competitiveness, the way that she handles herself from a mental aspect, um, the way that she trains she doesn't shy away from hard work uh, she's willing to put in the hard work to become who she is right now uh, so yeah I like everything that I've I've heard and and everything that everyone talks about from her and about her is like she's she's a perfectionist so if she takes a She's definitely passionate about this. And she's very passionate. Yeah. Yeah. She could get, she could get wound up and use that energy. And um, yeah. Uh, I'm also glad that she's in my life. Um, We, when we were at Sheffield, 
old rival of yours. This will be the last name. Yeah. And, and some people won't know. You already know who it is. But um, the old rival of yours came back. And it was kind of, it was good to see him. And, and I heard he's coming back uh, to Malta. Class. Yeah, he's, he will be at Malta. He'll be there. We're going to run it back. And nobody from this generation even knows what we're talking about. That's so right. So this was a rivalry. We're going to run it back. Um, Shell Backlin from Norway. And, and let me say this because some people don't know. Pains me. But he, he's a world champion in classic, a world champion in equipped. He's been to, I mean, he's he's coach Bonica Brown. Um, yeah. He's, uh, he, when he won world games, equipped, he, he's been in the world games. I mean, he's done it all. He could literally be in the Hall of Fame. And when he won the equipped world championship, he beat Oleg, who was like 17. 16, 17, yeah. 17. It, yeah. It, Oleg was 44 years old, had won it 17 times in a row. He went in equipped, and they called him the goat killer because he beat the goat. And um, and he got a win over you before you became the goat. So I don't know if that still works. But <laughs> him him having a win over you at Worlds and Oleg at Worlds in the 74-kilo class is insane. Yeah, If for people sure. actually thought of that. Now, um, for anyone else listening, so then you came back 2018. You lost 2017. One Worlds. He wasn't there. And he was like, there was a little trash talk sporting. By this, by this era, it wasn't even trash talk. In that era, it was totally new that you guys were coming on the KOTL podcast talking about it. But you guys are both like, um, I'll see you in Sweden and we're going to sort it out who's the real champ. Because you both are world champions, but right. hadn't decided it. And then that really 2019 is when you became the GOAT, Taylor Howard. You won Best Lifter and you had ascended by that point. And then Shell was like, it is what it is, man. I ain't going to touch that. And That's right. God bless him. And then since then... We all know what you've done. So, anyways, need to give that background because I don't think some people knew. But what were your thoughts? What are your thoughts, man? Kel Backland. Um, what he's done for me is he inspired me to be better. Yeah. He, he inspired our team to be better, not just me, our team. Like, we, he came in and he put a whooping on us in 2017, man, in Belarus. Like, yeah, there were some things that happened with travel and whatnot from my end, but for the most part, yeah, he, he was way stronger than we had anticipated. So we knew we had to come in with a different strategy. We knew that. Uh, we had to train differently. So he inspired us to become who we are today. And that's, uh, that's real. Uh, people don't like people really thought that Austin was going to beat me. And like some of the other 74s were going to beat me. And like, I didn't even care about them. I was, I was still worried about Kill in the background like he's still coming. Like you guys are forgetting who this is. He 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 put up a seven. No one has even touched his total yet as a seventy four. You guys are thinking that you're gonna beat me. Like go beat Kel first. Um, but then he got injured. He got hurt. Uh, but he was still killing it and equipped. So like, yeah, I I think if he if he stayed healthy, he he certainly would have given me a run for my money. And he was the first, like, that was one of the first, because he came on the podcast and remember, he's like, 
Taylor Atwood, bring your best and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, yeah. and, um, and that was the first rivalry and you came on the podcast back, clap back. And it was yep. like 2019 That's and it was right. the first of that, you know what I mean? And, um, but it was warranted cause he's actually a world champion. So it was, it was special, man. And now when you guys see each other and it's so much time has passed, what was it like when you saw him at the banquet? Like so much time we, has passed. Yeah. We didn't actually get to talk as much as I would have liked to, but <clears throat> like, it was because we've DM'd. He he's got a child now. Mm. He's married, so he we share that bond as fathers uh, and husbands. And then, like, he respects me now because of what I've done for the seventy fours. Uh, he's like, "When are you coming over to equip?" Like he, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you should destroy everybody, like destroy Olex records and this and that. And look, it, it, it's respect at this point. Like, honestly, all the all the crap talk and and all the him beating me and this and that. Like, we we put that aside because there's mutual respect that he beat me and I beat him. So, like, mutual respect, man, for sure. Um, and then he kind of just knew that, like, I think eight thirty eight and a half is kind of out of my range. Yeah, uh, he's like, you could you could have that. Yeah, um, <laughs> But nonetheless, here he is still competing, still doing great things in the equipped world. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to competing against him in, in Malta. There it is. Listen, man, um, I appreciate the time. I mean, frick, man, we're talking over four hours. Four hours. So, <laughs> appreciate it, dude. Um, I, I appreciate the honesty and, and you trusting me, telling your story on King of Lifts, man. It, it does not go unappreciated and it's not easy and um we're gonna talk before malta anyways obviously because yeah. we talk in the dms and whatnot all the time but uh and we'll probably have a podcast or something before that anyways for but sure keep in touch my man keep of in course. touch i got you back as per usual and um anybody listening please do subscribe give us high ratings until next time six pack lap it at six up and we are out